When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Yo, 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 what up? This is Rocky Asuka Romero of Chaos, and you are listening to Keeping It Strong Style, the ace of podcasts. Yo, this is Rich Ladder from One Nation Radio. This is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. We present to you the Ace of Podcast, keeping it strong style. Let's go. It's the Ace of Podcast, keeping it strong style. Covering New Japan, they ready to hold it down. Jeremy Donovan and the young boy Josh. Come and hit a job out in Barrio the Frost. From Tokyo Dome over to the G1. Social Suplex is the network where we can get it done. I'm a chiller. And let them have it Cause this is just an intro Keeping the strong style Six stars from the get go Boy Yeah from Tampa Bay To the Tokyo Dome This is keeping it strong style With your host Jeremy Donovan And the young boy Joshua Smith And thank you for listening Welcome to Keeping It Strong Style, the ace of podcasts on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Jeremy Donovan here with the young boy Josh Smith. On today's show, we'll be discussing the Fantastica Mania Tour, answering your questions, and covering all the latest news in the world of New Japan Pro Wrestling. You can support our show by subscribing to the Social Suplex Podcast Network or to Keeping It Strong Style on the podcast app of your choice and leaving a rating and review. You can also get all the podcasts and columns over at socialsuplex.com. Make sure you check out our Wrestling Tees store, prostlingtees.com slash socialsuplex. That's where you can get your official Keeping It Strong Style t-shirt. And if you enjoy this podcast, please consider making a donation by visiting socialsuplex.com slash donate and clicking on the donate button under the Keeping It Strong Style logo. Young boy, how you doing, man? Good, man. Um, you know, just drinking this uh, this power shake here, <laughs> trying to get trying to get ripped. Trying to get some gains. Trying to make them gains. Nice, man. Not, not gains, gains with, <laughs> with a T and a Z at the end. <laughs> Oh man! And uh, I promise my phone will not be making any uh, unplanned interruptions. I've silenced everything. Uh, let, me, let me make sure I got got mine on sound. Oh, now, now, now you say that. <laughs> oh my gosh! They, they be chirping. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it's a it's a good joke for you, long time listeners. <laughs> I don't think anyone else like remembers that. That's just something that like you, me, and Rich like laughed about. <laughs> yeah, it was from like the New Japan Cup. The first ever like New Japan Cup review we did, I'll, I'll never forget that. Yeah, if, uh, if you guys don't remember, it's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I 
<laughs> I think we were doing the preview or one of the reviews. All and, right. uh, my, my like iPad kept going off because I hadn't, I'm not good at technology, so I hadn't figured out how to silence it. And you're like, you're like man, quiet it down. And I was like, man, they keep hitting me up. Baby chirping. Baby chirping. <laughs> Uh, I don't even know, like, who says that? What, what does that even mean? <laughs> the young boy. Oh, oh my God. man. So, Yo, so how come, uh, how come no one wanted to come co-host on this week's episode? You know, usually we get people being like, "Oh, can I come on for this? Can I do Power Struggle? Can I do, you know, Wrestle Kim?" Ain't nobody hit us up and be like, "I want to be on the Fantastic Mania episodes." I, I want to <laughs> talk about this CMLL family <laughs> tournament. I need to talk about <laughs> Dolce Gardenia. <laughs> <laughs> And Negro Casas. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic Mania Tour. Definitely one of these times where a lot of New Japan fans kind of check out um, and not really always paying attention to the product. They might watch a match here and there, but, hey, it's still New Japan action. New Japan guys on it. So, Did you listen to the uh, the newest um, New Japan official English podcast with Chris I Charlton? I did, yes, with uh, Chris Charlton and Carl Fredericks. Yeah, there's a point where Fredericks was talking about how uh, last year when they, when he was on the uh, New Beginning USA tour and everyone was disappointed because of the visa issues, which I can't believe that was a year ago. It doesn't even seem I like know, it was a year crazy. ago. But he was saying that, um, you know, when uh, Shibata-san came out and, you know, made the apologies, it's like, you know, we're, we apologize, we weren't able to get the visas. And he was like, but I am New Japan Fredericks is New Japan. Connors is New Japan. And I was thinking to myself, you know, Sobrano Jr. is New Japan. <laughs> Audaz is New Japan. Stuka Jr. <laughs> Forestero, New Japan. Namahage. <laughs> oh, man. Fantastica Mania is New Japan. <laughs> yes. And, uh, you know, you mentioned uh, New Beginning in USA. We'll be at the New Beginning in Tampa, technically St. Pete, this coming up Friday. And they're giving them, giving them the Rays uh, um, treatment. Right. Talking about ta- some Tampa Bay Rays or some Tampa Bay New Beginning. But y'all playing in St. Pete. S- y'all playing in the Berg. <laughs> the uh, St. Pete Coliseum. Uh, there will be a New Japan fan meetup uh, before the show. We're going to be meeting at the Old Northeast Tavern, which is on 201 7th Avenue North Street in St. Petersburg, Florida. Uh, at 6 p.m. That's the old Northeast Tavern. We'll be tweeting about it and sharing the, the location, the link. So, and, it, and if you guys didn't catch that, we are hosting this New Japan, New Japan fan meetup. This is the first ever Keeping It Strong Style in association with Social Suplex Podcast Network. <laughs> New Japan fan meetup. I'm a, I'm excited for it, man. Yep, in association with some other uh, Florida friends too that we've made along the way that are. Um, Joining forces here, so we're you know trying to get all the New Japan fans across uh, Tampa. That I think are... we should call this New Japan United. Yes, <laughs> Lion Mark United. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so definitely if you're coming to this Tampa show, come on out to the Old Northeast Tavern, grab a drink of us, grab some food, let's have some good times before we roll over to the show. You got anything to give away? Um, I do have uh, an extra Kojima T-shirt unopened. Fresh from Japan, yeah. And I've got a, I got a little, a little trinket, a little morsel, if you will, a little some something that maybe we could do a little raffle. A little right raffle, there. yeah. Some raffle action. So, uh, if you guys want to be part of that, make sure you're there at six p.m. and uh, it's gonna be awesome. We're gonna have a drink or two, or three, <laughs> or four. <laughs> uh, the show starts at what? Uh, I believe eight p.m. Oh man, two hours to kill. 
boy. Yeah, <laughs> we're gonna kill it. So yeah, so looking forward to that. It should be a great time. Uh, but yeah, let's jump into this uh, Fantastica Mania tour. Mania, dude. And I think we say it every year, but the yes, the music for Fantastica Mania it slaps. Dude, yeah, I get so hype hearing that music. Negro Casa, Carístico, Flyer. Yeah, some of my favorite things. Yeah, it's great. So we had uh, four straight nights here at Cork and Hall. We had a lot of big matches. We had the traditional CMLL family tournament. We had um, some singles title matches, some singles matches. So overall, uh, young boy, what did you think about Fantastica Mania 2020? Mm, go into the overall right off the bat. Not, a, not as a recap, but as a precursor. Yeah. I like it. So um, this is what I'll say. And it's some of the same sentiments that we share every year when it comes to this show, but maybe some of these are a little bit more pronounced than normal. Um, when it comes to Fantascomania, it's always a, like we've mentioned, a departure from what you're used to getting throughout the rest of the calendar year. Obviously, it's a gimmick slash co-promoted uh, show between New Japan and CMLL, and it's supposed to be like the highlight of CMLL's tour in Japan, basically kind of showcasing some of the best of Lucha Libre over here, you know, in the land of the rising sun. That being said, um, a lot of it's non-canon. A lot of it kind of um, exists in its own, you know, little tour format, like however many nights they run, 11 or 12. Usually there's only like four or five, in this case, five nights that are actually uh, made available on New Japan World for the regular viewing audience. And, um... You know, these are usually easy-to-watch shows, which I would agree they definitely were, uh, you know, what, usually about two hours? Yeah, like two hours, maybe two hours and a half, the max, I think, the, the longest show was. Yeah, it's real easy-watch, two-and-a-half-hour show, some really good matches on there. There were some good matches. I will say that normally we usually get something that approaches great, and in, in over the past few years that we've been covering this uh, tour, I would say... For my taste, there was nothing that I would really classify as being truly great, um, but still really good shows. Some of the drawbacks, um, last year, I liked that we, even though it was its own tour, we kind of got the buildup of two different feuds on the tour as um, Show and Yo kind of uh, took up their, what, what uh, Fujin and Raijin. Fujin and Raijin, and they were kind of... Uh, Feuding with um, was it Lij at the time, juniors? Wasn't it Suzuki Goon? I wanted to say it was, but I'm pretty sure it wasn't because I'm pretty sure Desperado was. was uh, he's Namahage under, under Namahage, right. and I'm pretty sure Shingo and Bushi were still the junior champions. Right, I think you're right. Yeah, so they they were able to kind of build a feud between them that kind of translated into New Beginning proper, which I liked that. Right. They also did a a, a series of matches that built to the feud between. Um, Oh, man, between uh, Taguchi and um, the junior champion at the time. Um, Taiji Ishimori. Taiji Ishimori. On this tour, we didn't really get that. So that was one slight drawback. We didn't see that. The other thing, um, it doesn't happen every year, but sometimes we get title changes on these tours. Right. We didn't get any title changes, so that was kind of a drawback. And um, for the most part, I would say about 95% of the performers that were here were guys that we're used to seeing. 
over the past year. So there wasn't too many big name like new names that were kind of like surprises. We also didn't really get Atlantis, which we get Atlantis almost every single year. Right, Atlantis and Atlantis Junior last well, year. Right, yeah, for the first time. Um, so there was there we didn't get that. I know we haven't seen it in the past few years, but in the past we've also had. Um, if there was like juniors that were t- doing their excursions over in CMLL, they would usually get a chance to work these Cork and Hall shows. Uh, obviously, we know that Kuat, Harai Kuato, or as he's known over there, Kuato son. Um, th- I think that would have been a good opportunity to kind of, uh, you know, reintroduce him to some degree and, and have him work these shows. I know in the media when he won the uh, CMLL lightweight ch- World Lightweight Championship, he had. Uh, discussed how that was one of his goals was to return for the Fantastic Mania tour, and he wasn't on this tour either. So there's like a few things that like are kind of drawbacks to me. Um, the shows were good. It just sort of felt like a Fantastic Mania tour by the numbers. That if that makes sense, right? It's one of these tours like if you are you know quote unquote casual New Japan fan or New Japan fan and you decide, you know what, I'm I'm gonna skip this tour. You really didn't miss much. Like you can jump into New Beginning coming up um in a couple in, There's nothing canon here. Right. Really. The, the only thing the main thing they did kind of plant the seeds for was Tanahashi versus Naito, which they did on night one that six man tag in the comments Naito was making post match. And then plus Tanahashi was against LIJ this whole tour. Yeah. So they're kind of planting seeds and foreshadowing a Tanahashi Naito, you know, Tanahashi against LIJ kind of rivalry there. We also saw interactions with Tanahashi and Shingo once again, which kind of harkens back to the tag match they had during the road to Tokyo Dome Mm -hmm. and where he had defeated uh, Shingo by roll-up when Shingo had thought that he'd pinned uh, Tanahashi. Nothing quite as definitive in their interactions, but you could kind of tell that there was some heat between them, I'm guessing based off that. So a little bit of a breadcrumb. I, I won't be surprised if we see some sort of singles interaction between them down the line this year, um, I'm guessing I, I would be surprised if they're not in the same one G1 block at least this year. Right. And then um, also with that LIJ team, also we had the never six-man champions, Shingo, Bushia, and Evil teaming a lot. Yeah. And kind of, I think even though obviously there was no rivalries really established moving forward, they established that Shingo, Bushi, and Evil are a strong unit and kind of getting the momentum leading into the title matches coming up on the road to show. Oh, you think so? They're, they're a strong unit? <laughs> <laughs> they have the strongest mind. <laughs> I got a strong mind. <laughs> <laughs> the strongest mind they've ever known. <laughs> what was her quote? Uh, so that's what she said. She said she's got one of the strongest minds that she ever. They have known. some of the. They're one of the strongest units I've ever known. <laughs> <laughs> um, did you know, by the way, oh, man? Did you know that uh, the most violent perverts had had four title defenses going into Wrestle Kingdom this year? I knew it was a small number. I knew it was like yeah, three or four. That's a, th- that was their fifth title defense. That's a lot for the never title. I think I wanted to. Uh, Say something about that, because I think on a previous show, I'd been like, yeah, they barely, I think they've had one or two title defenses in all these, you know, months, but nobody even corrected me on it or caught it, because their entire reign was so forgettable. <laughs> right, yeah, because literally, the title defenses were so sporadic, it was like, yeah. by the fourth defense, like, is this, the, is their first, second? Are defense? they still the champions? <laughs> right. They stopped bringing the belts out. And <laughs> right, like, are they still, do, are they still even, like, sanctioned belts? <laughs> but, um, you know, a, a few other things here, so... Even though, okay, like, if you 
just watched these going in cold and you'd never seen Fantastic Mania, you probably would be like, this is a pretty good tour, and you wouldn't be wrong. But a lot of the matchups were like things we've seen year after year. This did not feel like a fresh Fantastic Mania to me at all. Like, yeah, we got a couple uh, big title matches and, and, and the family tournament. We're going to talk about that, and that's fine. But almost all the talent kind of seems slotted in exactly the same places. Many of the tag matches were the same tag matches we've seen, or at least derivatives of them, similar feuds. We even got, like, the same finishes year after year, which would normally be fine if I thought it was, like, building off of previous year's story, but it didn't seem to be. It's almost like they forgot that they booked the same thing. Right. It was, honestly, it was almost like a Road 2 version of Fantastic Mania in a way. Yeah, and, you know, there was some, um, like, um, some bloggers, <clears throat> and different um, online like personalities who follow Lucha Libre a lot closer than we do, and they'd kind of bemoan some of the same um, criticisms that I'm levying at this show, but they were like, you know, not excited whatsoever. And I was kind of more optimistic. I'm like, hey, this show always delivers. But I think a lot of the um, feeling that was out there for like the Lucha Libre hardcore fan base probably tended to be correct in that um, it was sort of like a Fantastic Mania by the numbers. Right. That being said, the guys that have performed well in the years past still performed well. The matches that I thought were going to be good were great, uh, or were very good. Um, nothing was really bad. Um, they were still fun shows, so right. I mean, there's and not much to really complain about. Even the stuff that wasn't really super high level was still kept very short. Yeah, it, I just, um, you know, sometimes I like for there to be a little bit, just something, like a debut, someone new. Something, something, a title change, a title change, you know, something, but we didn't get really any of that. And so that was my biggest, uh, you know, lament of the shows. It's like, man, I feel like I've watched these shows before and um, to a large extent we have. Right. Yeah. You know, overall, I really enjoyed, um, all the shows. Yes. You know, there was some stuff, you know, I wish we, yeah, we could have got a title change. We could have gotten Dragon Lee, um, some more kind of implications for new beginning, but overall, that was, yeah, yeah. But overall, I enjoyed all five shows, especially the Cork and Hall nights. Were I uh, thought were pretty good, and they were you know short, easy watches, easy to digest, and they were enjoyable. So overall, I mean, I really enjoyed the, the tour. I mean, next year I would like to see some more new blood um, on the tour. I like to see some you know some title changes, some really high level stuff like we're kind of used to that we got in earlier tours. But um, at the end of the day, there's no, I can't really complain too much. Well, you know, they've talked in the past about trying to strengthen uh, the relationship between CMLL and New Japan going forward. And they've, they've bit, I mean, this relationship's been going on since the mid-2000s. This is almost, I, I don't know if it is the 10th anniversary, but, it, uh, you know, I think it is. 2010, yeah, 2010 is the first Fantastic Mania. That's when we got the Apollo 55, uh, you know, um, Versus Golden Lovers main event So yeah it's a decade And um, they've been doing this tour for a while But they've talked about maybe doing more things In the future more talent exchange Maybe even running hypothetically a New Japan show In um, Mexico which would be awesome So I was just I was just hoping for a little bit more Maybe like you, you kind of You know obviously when you're watching Fantastic Mania you always have best super juniors In the back of your mind mm -hmm. Someone who might break out and I mean there's a couple Contenders but there, really there was no one Here that really made a name for themselves 
I, I don't want to say the guys were lazy. They weren't lazy. They worked hard, but it, there was nothing here where it's like, you know what? I'd really like to see like the Dinamitas come challenge, you know, the for the tag titles, you know, or anything like that. I'm, you know, it, it, it there wasn't much for me to like really invest myself into, if that's a good way of putting it. Yeah, it's like you kind of watch this and it's like, all right, like what's kind of next? Yeah, and some of the other guys that were kind of missing, um, if you noticed, we didn't get um, um, Mystico 2. That's right, yeah. Which he's always a highlight for me year after year. Mm -hmm. Uh, Obviously, there's uh, that probably plays into the fact that he's the brother of Dragon Lee and Roosh, and with all the the issues between CMLL and them, um, I was still hoping he'd make his way onto this tour. We didn't get him. So, I mean, there was there were some bigger names that were kind of left off, which I was a little surprised about as well. Yeah. So um, let's just go over some of the results from these last four nights, and then we'll kind of uh, chime in on some of the key angles and key matches of the the tournament here, or the tour here, and not, you know, give the hole by hole by every single match. Um, so on the... Do you, uh, you want to list the results for every single night right now and then have a broad discussion, or do you want to discuss the... Uh, the night just in general uh what do you think we better because I, c- I can do it either way yeah let's run down the night we'll have a, a brief discussion of each night okay so we don't, the, have, we don't have to give the play-by-play or anything like that yeah so we had the uh the first cork and hall night on uh, january 16th and so we had uh fuego and rich kataguchi defeating Namahage and doki and for you who, d- who don't know Namahage is actually el desperado that was his uh, gimmick in CMLL. Wait, what? <laughs> um, I would have never known. And uh, we did have English commentary, Mavs Gillis and uh, Chris Charlton, and they did a great job of selling the whole, you know, Nabahage not being Desperado. <laughs> and, you know, he was joking, oh, Nabahage and Doki are working really well together. And, uh, you know, Nabahage retired after last year's tournament, and now he's back. And so... Kind of playing up to the fact that he's not uh, Desperado. Before we continue, I think that's a good uh, thing to bring up when we're talking about broad discussion of the shows. What were your thoughts on Mavs Gillis and um, Chris Charlton as a team on these four nights? Overall, I thought they were pretty good. Yeah. Um, I thought it was interesting because we haven't seen Mavs do any commentary in feels like all year. Like I'm trying to remember the last time he did a show. Yeah, it seems like a while, and it's it's probably one of those things that's like, Fantastica Mania, Kevin Kelly's like, nah, Rocky's like, nah. Yeah. And they're like, oh, call in Mavs. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's just interesting because it feels like there should be other times that they're utilizing Mavs. I think Mavs is pretty good. I know he's gotten some criticisms in the past. I don't. I, I think he's pretty good, and he yeah, knows the product. Right, yes. Yeah, he knows the product. He knows moves. He knows wrestling. And like you mentioned, yeah, there were some other tours last year where I think there there wasn't English commentary, right. and it's like you got Mavs like work around his whatever sporting schedule he's doing, get him in here. Yeah, I like the idea of having Mavs work more often. I the one criticism about Mavs that I have is that he's seems to kind of have one gear, and it's almost. I don't, I don't want to say it's exactly the same, but sometimes it kind of reminds me a bit of Mauro Ronaldo. Yeah, where it's like high energy all time. Yeah, but the thing is, when Mauro is great, Mauro is really great. And Mauro does know how to to have different modes. But lately, from especially when I'm watching TakeOvers, those shows, it's always super high energy. 
Mavs kind of the same way it seems like to me. But at the same time, he's still competent. Like he's calling the match well. Yeah. You know, he's telling the stories. He just needs some refining. And I think that he would benefit from doing more shows for New Japan and ha- maybe working with um, like a Kevin Kelly, someone who can kind of uh, coach him just a bit. But he's he does a good job. Yeah. Um, so moving on to the results here. So we had uh, Ayudas and Guerrero Maya Jr. defeating Lucifer and Yoshinobu Kanamaru. We had the LIJ trio of Evil, Shingo, and Bushi defeating uh, Flyer, Dulce Gardenia, and Hiroshi Tanahashi. And so this is kind of a, a talking point here. So throughout this tour, we kind of saw this little mini rivalry kind of going, if you want to call it that, between uh, Dulce Gardenia and LIJ. Uh, Dulce Gardenia is a... Is I think it's Dolce. Dolce? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Dolce, he's a uh, exotico. Uh, from CMLL, and so, uh, you know, his whole gimmick is, you know, he was trying to kiss uh, the LIJ guys and, uh, you know, very flamboyant, uh, and so this was kind of a running kind of gag slash story throughout the whole tour, tour starting in this match right here. Yeah, Gar- Gardenia, um, I was not aware of this, but one of our listeners had pointed out that recently Kawato Sun had lost a hair versus hair match in Mexico, and uh, it was to Dolce Gardenia, which I was not aware of till literally very recently when someone posted it on uh, the New Japan Reddit. And um, so that's a, that's kind of um, that's a big like vote of confidence. And I will say this, um, you know, whatever your feelings are on Exoticos, there's some people that love them, some people that hate them. Uh, it's a huge, huge part of the rich history of um, <laughs> of Lucha Libre. I mean, it's a it's a major major part of of you know that whole entire like history but uh dolce gardenia is one of the most talented um exoticos that i've seen in a in a long time i wasn't too familiar with his work prior to fantastic mania but he is one of the very few maybe the only real breakout guys from fantastic mania as far as endearing himself to the new japan fan base and um his 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 mini rivalry that you mentioned uh, with him trying to kiss the various members of Lij, especially Shingo Takagi. Yeah, she, <laughs> Shingo was not having that. And, you know, he had the backstage promos. He was like, "Like, don't play me." He's like, "Pick a type. You, you can't like all three of us. Like, what, like it's either me, Bush, or evil." He's like, "Pick. Don't play me. Pick one." <laughs> So uh, I I just think uh, Dolce Gardenia does a real. Not only is he very athletic and he's a good wrestler, he's got solid like you know uh, fundamentals, but he really knows how to read a crowd. He really knows how to get the crowd into what he's doing. He tells a great story, and by the end of that first match, the Cork and Hall crowd loved him. Yeah, and he was probably I'd I'd estimate to be one of the most over luchadors. The, the rest of the tour and this crowd was just so anticipating this spot that they teased night after night where he would continuously try to kiss uh shingo is like really funny story right and then in an interview on the website he said that uh bushi is the best kisser <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah definitely he definitely had his eye on bushi a lot in these matches so yeah it was a nice fun match crowd ate it up loved gardenia but uh, the LIJ team ended up getting the win here. Mm-hmm. Then we move on. We got uh, Frostero and Okamura defeating Teton and Stuka Jr. 
and this was setting up the singles match coming up for Okamura against Stuka Jr. And uh, Okamura and uh, Forestario, they stole the mask of uh, Teton and Stuka Jr. Yeah, I was going to ask your opinion on that. So we don't watch enough uh, Lucha Libre to say with any sort of real authority, but do you find the amount of matches where they're trying to steal somebody's mask in the you know on these shows to be like excessive it's a little overkill yeah i mean we've discussed so sometimes with these shows you get a lot of dives obviously and that's great you know rich ladder pro wrestling yada yada but sometimes there are some people who, who might say that you can never have too many flips you know what i mean right but i sometimes i really question whether that is true or not because at a certain point it, be, it does become a bit of overkill and you know the, they're called high-risk maneuvers for a reason and I, I don't want to sound too old school here but you see so many of the same topes and so many of the same you know torneos and things like that that when a guy who incorporates his torneo as like a finish like someone like say uh soberano jr it almost becomes like, it's hard for you to buy into it or when everyone else on the show has done the same thing. You know what I mean? Right. And I, I'm i not saying that they shouldn't be doing dives. Uh, don't get me wrong. I just think that, um, you know, sometimes a little less is more. Um, you know, you want to do that when it means something. And if every single guy on the entire show is doing it, it's basically it becomes like a headlock or it becomes like right. a clothesline or a body slam. Like, you know, it loses some of the effect. Um, I know it's part of the art form, so I don't want to misspeak. But... I, I kind of feel the same way about um, pe- heels trying to tear off the, the uh, you know, Technico's masks because it's like, bro, this is every match. And some of my favorite matches, when it's a blood feud or a heated, like, lucha brawl or something involves a guy getting his mask torn or his mask taken off, that's great because it gets heat. But if, if everybody's doing it on the show, and it happens a lot on these right. shows. Right, and it's very similar. You he- hear a lot of, you know, bookers or promoters, <clears throat> excuse me, um, and wrestlers talking about when they set, you know, shows up, like, all the guys should be kind of talking about their matches so you don't do the same finish in every match. You don't want two low blow finishes. You don't, you don't want right. two distraction finishes. You don't want two DT finishes. You know, you, you kind of want some var- variety. That's kind of what I'm saying. Like, you, you sort of want a little bit of variety, and you want those moments to mean something. And right. if the guys are given the autonomy just go out there and do do it as much as they want, and everyone is doing it, then, it, then at a certain point, like, for instance, we're going to talk about it, but there was a match where someone did get their mask taken off, and I almost didn't think it was going to happen at all, and so it did catch me a little bit by surprise, but I was like, it's happened in every match. Like, it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Right. It, it loses point, some of the effect. At this point, it's, it's just cheap heat. Like, everybody cheap know, heat, it yeah. knows everybody knows how disrespectful it is to take off Luchador's mask, especially when they haven't lost it yet, and in matches, that's actually a DQ if you pull their mask off, so people know it's... Definitely something the heel does. So it's, it's cheap heat. It's like yeah. a, a back rake or eye poke at this point. And so it's happening in every match. And so it kind of takes away the effect, effectiveness of it. But here they were trying to set up, get some heat for the, the singles match with uh, Stuka and uh, Okamura. Yes. But we did see the mask pulling in a lot of matches. Yeah. Um, so then we move on to the next match. We had Ultimo Guerrero and Barbaro Cavanario defeating Sotoshi Kojima and Caristico. You hate and, to see it. Yes, I, I, I do. Um, but obviously this was building up to the uh, CMLL Heavyweight Championship match with Ultimo Guerrero and uh, Sotoshi Kojima and the NWA Historic Middleweight Championship match between 
uh, Caristico and Barbaro Cavanario. Mm. And then we uh, move on. It to, was good. Yeah, it was a good match. Um, then we move on to the family tag team tournament. So traditionally, I think this tournament started off where it was just a brother. And then it kind of moved on to, I think they did like father-son combinations, right? Was two, two years ago, they did the brothers tag team tournament. And then last year, it became the family wow. tag team tournament. Wasn't it, wasn't it father and son last year? Or was it just no, all it was family. family. Okay. And then, and then um, this year, once again, it's family. family. There were there were some father sons, but if you remember, like Ultimo uh, Guerrero and that's right, and Grand, yeah, and Grand Guerrero, who also was missing from this. That's tour. right, yeah, Grand Guerrero was not on this tour. Yep. But um, we got Quat- uh, Quatrero and Sanson defeating Sobrano Jr. and Euphoria. Uh, Sanson and Quatrero, famous uh, members of the New Generation Dinamitas, um, they picked up the win here. I think they were. The winners of the first year, I'm trying to remember. No, so they actually, because the whole story was. They went to the finals last year. Right. The whole story was kind of building them up. They got third place the first year. That's right. Then they got the second place last year. Okay. And then yeah, this yeah. year, obviously, we'll get to it. They get to the finals. But uh, they pick up a win here. I thought this match was fine. I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, it was good. It was kind of short. It was nine minutes, 50 seconds. Um, didn't overstay their welcome. If, if I want to be a little in depth, I actually thought Quatrero seemed a little bit. Uh, sloppy that night, if I'm being honest, and mm-hmm. there was um, there's just there was some weird stuff. But this was the match where we saw uh, Sobrano Jr. hit a swan, uh, swanton bomb off the Corkin stands. Oh yeah, that was which dope. was awesome. Yeah, it got a huge pop. And uh, Sobrano and Euphoria. Sobrano is Euphoria's son. Yeah, and uh, Euphoria was the original Sobrano. Don't know the history on why he changed from Sobrano to Euphoria. Um, but that's how that works out there. Yep. Sobrano was easily the standout in this match. Yeah, definitely. And it's one of those things. I know Sobrano got a hard um, time during that Super Junior Tag Tournament a couple of years ago. Well, if you remember, um, we had mentioned that we'd seen him on the Fantastic Mania Tour prior to that, and I was vouching for him that whole tournament. I was like, mm-hmm. hey, he's a lot better than this junior. You know, than he was teaming. It was him and Volador. Yeah. Yeah, and I was like, hey, he's a lot better than this, and we're kind of seeing that here. Like, you know, I think it is a hard transition sometimes for luchadors to transition and work the, uh, you know, the Perezu style. Right. And they're not used to it. And that's something we mentioned during those uh, junior tag tournament matches. We talked about, yeah, he's probably still getting used to working with the Japanese guys. I mean, here on the CMLL tour, I don't think he worked against any New Japan guys. He was mainly working on CMLL guys, which you, why he's having great performances. He was wrestling guys he's familiar with, the lucha style, uh, the communication. So Also, he's worked in Japan a few years now, so yes. there's not that unfamiliarity. Um, I think some of the big criticisms at the time was the botches, that there was some sloppiness on his end, and I didn't see any of that on this tour whatsoever. Um, you know, I've, I saw some people kind of commenting and saying he's really improved since the... Uh, since uh, Super Junior's turn- tag tournament, but I wouldn't go that far. I would say he has improved, but what we saw during that Super Juniors wasn't even really him. I've, I see improvements from previous Fantastic Mania tours, which yeah. he, he's great. And and we thought he was great the moment we saw him, and he, he's awesome. Yeah, so definitely he's going to be a guy that to kind of look out for in the future. It's kind of like the next kind of luchador star to kind of break through on a bigger scale. I can... I think he has a really good shot working Super Juniors this year. Yeah. I think he's the one guy 
Well, possibly we'll talk about it. I think Gardenia might have a chance, but he's the one guy that kind of fits the uh, the mold of what they're usually looking for. You know, you compare him to a Volador or a Teton or Caristico guys that worked Super Juniors in the past. I think he could do it. Yeah. So yeah, so um, we had a, a Sanson and Cortoyero pick the win up here. Yep. Defeat Efor and Sobran Junior. Knock them out of the tournament. And then we had the second semifinal match where we had the brother duo of Angel de Oro and Nebra Roja taking on Negro Casas and Tiger. I believe what Tiger is Negro Casas's nephew, I think the relationship yes. was there. And so uh, we had this matchup here. And man, uh, Negro Casas is awesome. <laughs> Negro Casas is the, the, the best like senior wrestler like in the world outside of like maybe Minoru Suzuki. But yeah, this guy's what, years 60 on. years old, I think they said. Yeah, uh, ne- Negro, bro, every year that we've been covering this, I always tell you, because Negro Casas always gets announced and then gets pulled for various different reasons. And I'm always, remember how disappointed I am. Right, year? yeah, yeah. Because Negro Costas fucking rules. <laughs> He's the man. Yeah, he yeah he was awesome. And, uh, yeah, 60 years old, great shape, had a ton of fire throughout this whole tour. Um, Hard-hitting. Yes, late in the strikes, yes. Comedy wrestling, he still can go. He does the chain wrestling. He's got, he's got, he still has gas in the tank, man. He's awesome. Um, I want to talk about Angel de Oro and Niebla Roja. Uh, I was not aware that... Um, I knew Niebla Roja had lost his mask, but I was not aware Angel de Oro had also lost his mask. Same here. So when I saw them come out, these guys are like the spit. I know they're brothers, <laughs> but they look identical. They could be twins. I don't think they are twins. I don't but. think so either, but they're like the Usos. Like I, If they weren't wearing different gear, I wouldn't be able to tell them apart. Right. Same exact height, same hair length, same facials, um, yeah. same body build. The other thing, too, is so they are – they've been – Baby faces for years now, and from what I understand in Mexico, they usually get heavily booed, and I think it's because the portrayal of them as like these smiley, squeaky, like squeaky clean, yeah, like, the super cheesy baby face, just smiling all the time. Um, Rocky Maivia, yeah. And I see these guys, and I'm like, they need to be heels. Like when they were here, I was like, they absolutely need to be heels. Uh, but uh, I've always been very impressed with both of them. Um, still impressed here. I thought this match was pretty. Uh, for, for all the praise we're giving it, I just thought the match was just okay. Um, I thought Negro Casas was really the real standout in this match, but mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, the Chavez brothers end up picking up the win here. Yeah, and that's uh, Angel de Oro and Nebra Roja. And um, post match, we had Sanson and Quartero come up to set up the tournament of finals tomorrow. So it would be. Angel de Oro and Nebla Roja against Sanson and Quachero. And then there will be the, the third place match. That would be Negro Casas and Tiger against the team of Euphora and Soberano Jr. So going into night two, we had a match between Fuego and Ryosuke Taguchi taking on Doki and Luciferno. One thing that you forgot to mention was uh, Taguchi sodomizing people on the, on the previous <laughs> show. Yeah. I don't know why you didn't bring that up. I think I try to forget about it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, all throughout the tour, Taguchi and Fuego pretty much were mostly picking up wins. Just Yo, being a- My dog Fuego <laughs> was out there killing <laughs> killing them dances, even with the dub over music. That man was just killing it with that dance, man. Yo, I really hate mo- a lot of the dub musics, but uh, Fuego's dub music like, it's, slaps. Yes, it's fire. <laughs> Comes out there. Ding, 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 
Just come out there doing a dance. <laughs> yeah, and he had like the, the the like the blow up doll girl thing that he was dancing with too. That was yeah. hilarious. Yeah, the commentary team was funny too. They're like, I don't know who this ravishing beauty is. <laughs> I'm used to only seeing like Miho Abe and, and Peter. <laughs> Peter, but this this young lady, she is stunning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I say. Yeah, Mavs and Chris. Yeah, man, they did a great job with that like subtle comedy in between these matches. Um, and it also there was also a, a small little story of like. Suzuki Gun guys not really getting the best communication with some of the other CMLL guys they teamed with. That seems to be um, a story most years. They tend to not be being able to like even I remember in the backstage comments, um, <laughs> like the usually on these tours the luchadors when they're cutting promos in the back, very very few of them are actually in character. Most of them are just like I'm happy to be here. Even the heels, the Rudos and the Technicos are like happy to be here. Want to give my best showing, blah blah. But then like. Suzuki Goon guys are still in full character and like we don't know what this guy is saying. <laughs> <laughs> they do it every year, yeah. so I love it. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, so uh we had Fuego and uh, Taguchi pick up the win here over Luciferno and Doki. Then we had uh, a six-man tag here with Okamura, Namahage, and Yoshinobu Kanamaru. They defeated Stuka Jr., Flyer, and Guerrero Maya Jr. And in this match, um, the the big thing was again setting up the Okamura and Stuka Junior uh, title match uh, for later in the show, and um, they still continue to play on the mask pooling that you'd mentioned from the previous night. And towards the end of the match, um, Okamura was able to unmask Stuka Junior and then roll him up for a small package when the referee's back was turned. And he got the one, two, three off of uh, unmasking Stuka. So really got some good heat there. Overall, the match was just fine. But that was kind of the main, um, you know, the the main uh, portion that kind of like stuck out to people. I also want to say Guerrero Maya Jr., uh, I thought was pretty impressive through most of this tour. Um, kind of relegated to a lower mid card sort of thing. But out of a lot of those guys, I think he's one of the few that kind of like stood out. Yeah, I kind of want to see more of him. I mean, he's a guy, he has a pretty decent size and he's, you know, also very athletic, a lot of great high flying. I wish we could have seen more of him in a one-on-one setting or maybe in a higher profile tag situation. Him, I think for like the lower mid-card guys, the guys that didn't get a lot of showcase, I think him and Aodas are like the two that kind of stood out to me. Yeah. And uh, Aodas actually in this next matchup here, he's a guy who in the backstage comments was saying my goal is to be in best of super juniors. I want to be in best of super juniors. So kind of throwing that out there. I don't know if it's one of those things where he's pulling a new Japan and he's just saying what he wants to say backstage or if there actually are plans to bring in Aodas in for best of super juniors this year. Well, even though I said he impressed in this next match, which was a six-man tag team tie or a six-man uh, tag team match, it was LIJ, Shingo, Bushi, and Evil taking on Hiroshi Tanahashi, Aodas, and Dolce uh, Gardenia. Um, Aodaz really didn't stand out too much in this match because, again, it was the Dolce Gardenia show, mm-hmm. um, which kind of tells you who the company is looking to push between the two guys. Gardenia was a highlight, again, all throughout the, the match. And, again, it was a continuation of the story we mentioned with him uh, trying to finally kiss Shingo. Uh, it was for naught on this evening, but a uh, really good uh, six-man tag team match. And th- they just kept building off each other night after night building the crowd up, anticipating that kiss. Yeah. So next up, we had a singles matchup here. Also, I wanted to point out, I liked on this tour that Shingo was beating guys with the pumping bomber. That's right. Setting up. A lot of the nights. Yeah, kind of setting up like, yes, Shingo can put lower card guys away with the pumping bomber. Yep. 
And also something too with uh, Tanahashi. Tanahashi was wearing a uh, face paint. He does every year, pretty yeah. much. Yeah, throughout the tour. Remember, we? I don't think he was on the tour last year. Yeah. I remember yeah. we were disappointed by that. Yeah. So, yeah, here, rock, rocking some face paint. There was one night where I swore he kind of looked like uh, Sting. Yeah. Like 96 to 97 Sting with the face paint. I think it was uh, more akin to a hybrid Sting. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> where he had, like, the black hair still, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so, yeah, L.I.J. get the win here. Then we get our uh, singles matchup of the night here. We got uh, Teton taking on... Uh, Forestero. Special single match. Yeah. And I thought this was a pretty good match. And, uh, it was pretty good. One yeah. of the better matches of the tour. Yes, I agree. Um, now, interestingly enough, <clears throat> this was a... Um, this was... I'm trying to... No, okay. So the, the night previously, Forestero had beaten Teton with an armbar, correct? Right. That was the second year in a row where Forestero was able to beat Teton with that armbar. And it... No one mentioned it. It didn't. I don't know if that was the intention, but I was like, I was like, did they just do the same finish and the sa- like with the same guys two years <laughs> in a row? But um, this was a really good match. Uh, you know, we haven't mentioned it too much yet, but Teton really was a highlight on this tour, and he is every year. Yeah, Teton is definitely one of my favorite luchadors that makes his way over to New Japan. And I've seen him a lot in Ring of Honor as well. And yeah, and Forrestero was good here. This uh, I would go probably like what three and a half on this. Uh, three and a half, three seven five in that range. Yeah. Um, it was great kind of storytelling with uh, Forrestero. Continued, he kind of worked the arm the whole match and was yes. looking for that arm bar submission again uh, throughout the match. But then uh, Teton was able to kind of overcome and fight through and fight back and hit that uh, the double stomp for the win. The nice thing too. Um, Forget all the criticisms I mentioned earlier. When there was singles matches on this tour, they always delivered. None of them, like I said, were great. You know, they weren't like, you know, what you'd call like a notebook match or anything like that. But they were all really good and delivered to probably what your expectations were for the most part. So, And this was this kind of the start of that. This is a good match. Yeah. So then we move on. We had um, Satoshi Kojima and Carisco taking on Ultimo Guerrero and Barbaro Cavernario. Once again, just continuing to set up for both of those title matches. This time, my man Satoshi Kojima gets the win for the team with that big running lariat. Kojima and Carisco pick up the win here. Between the two tag team matches, this was the better match, and not just because uh, Kojima picked up a win over Ultimo Guerrero, which was cool, but... um, the, the interactions between Kojima and Guerrero were great every night, mm-hmm. but I felt like they gave more to Barbaro Cavernero and Caristico in this match versus that first night, and so this was sort of a repeat, but a better version of the previous night's match, and so um, this was the match that kind of got me hyped for the title matches to come, honestly. Yeah. So the next up, we had the third place matchup in the CMLL family tournament. So you since, since that's what new Japan likes to do now, give us <laughs> loser bracket matches when they have a four way tournament. Hey, I appreciate the loser bracket matches like coming from Aaron to wrestling. There were a lot of tournaments like during my freshman and sophomore year where you kind of get knocked out, you lose one, but it's double elimination. So you kind of work your way back in and get third place and still kind of move on to like the next bigger tournaments. Well, with double elimination, you can work your way back and win the whole thing though. Uh, not not in the high school. Like once you, well, if it's double elimination, like if you if you lose two, you're done. But so if you lost your first, so if you lose a match, you kind of work in that constellation bracket, and you can win. You can get third. Gotcha. Because in some tournaments, what they'll do is it's double elimination. So if you lose, you still can make it to a final match against the winner of the gotcha. other bracket. 
I wish they would have done that. <laughs> I probably could have gotten more finals. But yeah, <laughs> freshman and sophomore year, yeah, they had you like the, the constellation, like what, third place. What, what do you mean win more? You didn't do no jobs. <laughs> but um, no, dude, freshman year, I absolutely. I'm, I'm glad sucked. that they did this this uh, losers bracket because you know the winner of this it has big implications going forward uh, for whichever winner you know uh, tag team title implications. Um, yeah, I can't wait to see where uh, Sobrano Jr. and Euphoria go. In uh, New Japan after this. <laughs> hey, man, we need some tag teams. So uh, y'all want to stay for another tour? <laughs> no, but this this was fine. Uh, I actually thought that this was one of the better tag team matches of the tour up to this point, honestly. Yeah, pretty good. I mean, once again, Negro Casas. He's awesome. Was the highlight here again. And so I don't. Uh, he was a highlight. I thought Soberano had yeah, a I mean, stronger yeah, performance. Yeah, Soberano looked great too. But I guess I was just more impressed with Negro Casas because I've never seen yeah. Negro Casas perform before, and just being oh, at man. his age and the physique that he has, and just the fire and the strikes, and just the storytelling that he um, does in his matches is great. Well, there's a reason he was in that uh, Liger four way match uh, when he had his uh, Mexico retirement match because. Negro Casas, in some ways, is sort of a contemporary and uh, almost a, a comparative figure in you know CMLL. You talk about a guy who has been able to go at the top level in the 2010s, the 2000s, the 90s, the 80s. Like it, Negro Casas is that is that dude. He's freaking awesome. Um, for a long time, I used to kind of uh, compare him to Ric Flair, mm. you know. But um, I mean. In terms of longevity, I don't know. Negro Casas is still able to go at, at this age. You know, um, it's kind of crazy. But, uh, you know, him and Sobrano Jr. actually have been feuding in CMLL quite a bit. And you could tell in this match because they had really cool yeah, sequences. Yeah, there's a lot of exchanges and, yeah, stuff between those two guys. Yeah, but um, ultimately Sobrano hit that incredible Torneo move that he uses. He hit it on Tiger, pinning him after a Canadian Destroyer. Uh, really good finish to this match. Yep. So uh, Euphoria and Sobrano Jr. third place, um, third place in the CMLL Family Tournament. Then we move on to the finals of the tournament to determine first and second place. So we had Sanson and Quartero against the Chavez brothers, Angel de Ora and Nebla Roja. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. Did um, the Chavez brothers win it the first year? I feel like they did. I'm gonna I'm gonna take a look. What were your thoughts on this match? So overall, I thought this match was really good. Um, you know, Sanson and Quattrero, kind of a little bit of the bigger guys here and the the Rudos, the heels here in this match, uh, getting the heat on Angel de Oro and Nebla Roja. Uh, I thought, you know, the Chavez brothers were, I thought they looked really good in this matchup here. And I thought they told a, a great story with, uh, you know, Diamita, Sanson, and Quattrero. Because, uh, like we mentioned, so they've kind of been building this throughout the Fantastic Manias. So in the first uh, tour, uh, family tournament they did Sanson and Cartrera won that third place Constellation match Then last year they lost In the finals and got second place And so then they were finally able to win The family tournament here Okay so this is what it was It was Los Guerreros Laguneros Which is Grand and Ultimo Guerrero They defeated Dragon Lee and Mystico In That's the, right, in the yeah. Brothers Tag Team Tournament Last year or uh, 2017. 20, 2018 2018 and then in 2019, the winners of the ter- of the family tournament were Dragon Lee and Mystico, and then they faced off with the winners of the prior year's tournament, the Guerreros, and then they beat the Guerreros, so it was sort of like vengeance. So, yeah, so neither of these teams have made it to the finals of this, even though they've been involved each year. Yeah, I knew, I knew Brothers won it, but I forgot that, yeah, it was Dragon Lee and Mystico. Also, um, 
Now I'm thinking about it, no Volador this year. That's right. Yeah, no Volador Jr. Again, yeah. another big name missing. So, um, match of the tournament or match of the tour up to this point, in my opinion. Uh, yeah, I think you could put it up against uh, Teton and Frostero. Yeah, I, I think I liked this just a bit more. I went like three and three quarters, almost four stars on this. I thought it was nice. really, really, really good. Um, I wasn't as impressed with this family tournament as the past two years' iterations. Right. I also don't think that this tournament or this tournament final peaked as high as the previous two years at all. But with that being said, it's still a really good match, solid match between these guys. And um, I I really dig the Dinamitas. They, they've been a yeah. standout the last uh, three years. They did a great job presenting these guys, a solid unit, all three of those guys, and just how dominant they were in the matches and in this tournament. Uh, I really like them. And I know you said you probably wouldn't want them back in a tag title match, but... Oh, well, I didn't mean it like that. Like, if they did bring them back, like, yeah, but I just don't know if there was enough, like, investment to... Right. I don't... I highly doubt they will come back, but, like, I think it would be I would like them to, like, break some of these guys out and maybe have them pick up a win over, like, an actual New Japan tag team, like, uh, you know what I'm saying, in the future. Mm, That would be... Something like that would be cool. But, um, no, I see what you're saying. I agree. Um, If you notice, this match had no tags, not a single... Tag. That's right. That's something else we should mention. So uh, all these tag matches were competed under Lucha Tag rules. So if you're new to Lucha, new to CMLL, Lucha Tag rules is where if the legal man gets thrown out the ring or rolls out of the ring, his partner can then come in without a tag and be considered the legal man. It's also known as the AEW Tag Division <laughs> Tag Rules. <laughs> exactly. If you've watched uh, AEW Dynamite, you know exactly what we're talking about. It's the like same rules. Yeah, yeah. They have been tra- uh, trying Those to tighten are the rules up, there, the, right? No, they've been trying to tighten what? up on it. <laughs> yeah, apparently Jericho had like a talk with the, with the <laughs> locker room about like the tag rules and why you know tags are important. They need to hold the tag rope and all that <laughs> stuff. So, uh, but yeah, so yeah, all these tag matches were competed under lucha tag rules, which does make the match a little bit faster, uh, a little bit more exciting. I, so. I I like it a lot. I, I this match was awesome. Tons of dives. Tons of awesome tag team work. Um, the crowd was so into it. Um, it. It was just, it was really awesome. It was a great match. Yeah, great way to kind of close off that night and uh, close off the this year's CMLL family tournament. So then uh, continuing on to night seven, uh, we started wa- started off with uh, Lucifierno and Namayage defeating Audaz and Yota Suji. Not much to say here, but one thing I want to point out, Suji in the past has discussed wanting to go to Mexico, correct? Right, yes, yeah. He's mentioned several times that when he goes on excursion, he wants to go to Mexico. And I could see that uh, possibly happening. Um, His interactions with some of the uh, different uh, luchadors on this tour um, kind of show to me, like, he could really play a a really good monster big man type of character. Mm -hmm. He's very comfortable in that role, and I think that that might be the right way to go with him down the line. I think it's no... uh, I know that... um, Yuya Yumura is also on this tour a bit, but for some reason, Suji seemed more in his element in these types of matches, if, if you ask my opinion. Right, and you definitely do need your brawlers in Lucha Libre. I mean, you can look at, you know, CMLL, AAA. You can pick out some of the guys that are kind of the bruisers in there, you know, like a L.A. Park kind of guy that's Grand, more, more... Ultimo Guerrero. Yeah, Ultimo and Grand Guerrero. They're more of brawling type of guys. They're not doing all the much high-flying. So, yeah, Suji... I, can, I want him to go away and... Turn into Hechicero, come back with that uh, Yave uh, <laughs> style, start start rolling dudes up like he's a uh, Sonata and shit. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, but yeah, and Suji, yeah, he did a, you see that spot at the beginning where he did that, that pose of uh, Dawes and he did like that handstand kind of thing? Yeah. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Um, so yeah, you know, fun little opening match here. Suji getting some shine here. And um, Luciferno and Namahage pick up the win here. Nice. Um, after that, we had Flyer, Guerrero, Maya Jr., and Soberano defeating uh, Suzuki Goon team of Duke, Doki and Yoshinobu Kanemaru and Tiger. And uh, not much of a match, kind of short. Um, I did like Soberano's uh, pile driver on Doki. And uh, I thought it was kind of funny, Doki being the guy from um, Mexico, but because he's that grimy, independent Mexico dude, he, he really can't, like cannot pick up a win against any of these CML right. Luchadors. That's, yeah, that's the story they've been telling, and they've kind of talked about this with, you know, since Doki's been in New Japan, that he always kind of resented the big and bright lights of CMLL and the other bigger promotions in Mexico. He stuck to the indie scene, and, you know, he despises kind of the CMLL guys, and so that kind of played into this this kind of uh, story here in this, in this tour with Doki going up against these CMLL guys. Um, after that, we had Angel de Oro, Niebla Roja, and Titan defeating uh, La Nueva Generacion Dinamitas. That's Quatrero, Forestero, and Sanson. Um, this was a preview match of a match that would happen the next night. Um, the only difference is the Dinamitas are the reigning um, CMLL ma- um, Mexican, well, not CML, the, the Mexican National Trios champions. They actually have one of the longest reigns in history. Right, well, it's, it's like over, over eight hundred days, over, over nine hundred, over nine hundred days. days. Yeah, um, yeah, they've been holding. And for those that don't know, the Mexican National Trios Championships, these are some of the oldest titles in all of Mexico. They're not just strictly CMLL, even though CMLL is the oldest uh, um, wrestling promotion in the world, and that still exists. Till today, even older than the NWA, um, the Mexican National Trios champions uh, go back further than CMLL and have crossed multiple promotions. And so they're not strictly CMLL titles, even though they're kind of controlled and promoted there at this point in time. So, I mean, their uh, their title reign is extremely historic. They've got m- so many title defenses. But, um, you know, it w- I thought it was kind of weird that they were doing literally the exact same match they would do the night the, the night after this with the exact right. same guys, just this was non-title. Right. It's almost like, to me, it's kind of like one of those things where, like, if you didn't know the card ahead of time, like, this win here would have earned them a title match the next night. But right. the, the title match was already booked anyway. Well, the Dinamitas also had a six-man tag. We didn't t- uh, discuss it too much, but on the first night that was aired, and they lost on that show as well. And I remember I remember thinking at the time, I was like, aren't they the Mexican trios t- <laughs> champions? <laughs> and then I, I went and looked, and I was like, oh, they still are. And I was like, that's weird. But, um, you know, part of the story here is, you know, Forrestero and Angel de or and uh, Teton having the match the previous night, plus uh, the Chavez brothers and the other uh, Dinamitas uh, members. So it was sort of like an amalgamation of all those teams, you know, kind of uh, meeting here. I would say this was sort of like what you'd call, I guess, a preview match for the rematch that was coming the next day for the titles. Right, yeah, I thought it was a good preview match, kind of gets you hyped up for the title match tomorrow. Yeah, there was some really good work throughout this match. Uh, You know, I'd go like three and a half on this one, honestly. Yeah. Maybe three and a quarter, I don't know. Yeah. So then up next, we had the NWA World Historic Light Heavyweight title match. Also, spoiler, uh, the Dinamitas lost, so I mean that probably means that the Technicos are going to take those titles the next night, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, so yeah, this uh, title match here with uh, Stuka Jr. defending against Okamura, and uh, I think do you, do you need a uh, do you need a history lesson on the NWA World Historic Titles? Yes, yeah, so, but real quick before we get on that, so this matchup here, I think originally was non-title. It was, but then due to the kind of build up they've done and Okamura kind of antagonizing Stuka Junior, stealing his mask, pinning him. Right, it turned into a title match. They did, they did tease a mask versus a hair match, but that was not sanctioned, just a title match. But yes, go ahead and give us the history on the NWA historic titles. Yep. So um, originally, the NWA throughout their rich illustrious history, I think right now they're. The only titles that are actually being promoted by the NWA are what? The world title? The national title. The national. The, the tag titles and the women's title. And the television title. Right. Yes, right. So, um, but, you know, back in the day when the NWA was the major controlling power in all of pro wrestling, they had literally hundreds, maybe even <laughs> thousands, more like hundreds. But, I mean, throughout their history, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if it was approaching close to a thousand when you're talking about regional different weight classes different you know just promotions i mean territory titles i mean there have been so many nwa belts out there but in mexico there was originally three um nwa promoted titles that were part of emll which was the you know the precursor or, or you know the previous name of cmll and um, those three titles were the NWA uh, World Light Heavyweight Championship, the NWA World Middleweight title, and the, or I'm sorry, uh, Welterweight, and the NWA, yeah, and the NWA World Middleweight title. So those three titles were controlled by CMLL. Um, eventually, they split off from the NWA, but they continued to pr- uh, retain the physical possession of those three titles. And promoted them as the NWA World Light Heavyweight and Middleweight and Welterweight titles until 2010 when um, Blue Demon Jr. tried to get uh, an NWA Mexico promotion going. And at that point, they uh, filed a lawsuit against CMLL saying that, you know, you're, you're continuing to promote NWA belts that haven't been with your company for decades. Uh, and they asked for the physical ownership and possession of those titles uh, to come back. So, um, CMLL had to return all three of those world titles and then replaced them with very originally named NWA World Historic <laughs> Light Heavyweight <laughs> Championship, NWA World Historic Middleweight and Welterweight titles. So uh, these are not those same belts that they promoted for all those years, but they're a spiritual uh, connector to those previous titles. Nice. So, yeah, good little history lesson there on these titles. Dude, CMLL is crazy. They've got Mexican National Championships the NWA World Historic uh, Championships, and the uh, CMLL World titles. So they've got, at least in many cases, three different, uh, you know, they've got the Mexican National, the NWA World Historic, and then also the CMLL World titles, amongst other titles. I mean, they've got like like 15 or 20 titles over there, maybe more. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, yeah. Talk about too many belts, yeah, Yeah. CMLL. (laughs) But yeah, this match here, dude, I really enjoyed this match more than I thought I was going to. I mean, Okamura is a guy we've been seeing year after year, and he's, you know, he's fine. But this matchup here, these guys had great chemistry. And dude, uh, Stuka Jr. is over 40 years old, too. Like, these, neither of these guys are uh, spring, spring chicken. chickens. Yeah. Like, I did not expect much from this, like, literally at all. Um, 
I was glad to see Mima Shimoda out there. Yeah, we've seen her. She accompanies Okamura um, throughout these tours and always get, finds her way uh, getting involved in these matches. Yep. But um, this match was so much better than it had any right to be. Uh, I actually liked this better than any other match up to this point in in the tour at all. Like, yeah. I, I was super high. On th- I went like four and a quarter on this. Nice. I've seen a lot of people kind of go in that four-star range. I think I was... Th- Three seven five or four stars, I think. It, this a, was so good. Yeah, this was a really good singles match, dude. Stuka Junior doing the, um, you know, the, the Orange Cassidy hands in the pocket, you know, dive to the outside is awesome. <laughs> uh, like you mentioned, uh, Mimo was out there. She got involved. She got a uh, suplexed onto Okamura towards the end there. Um, yeah, it's a lot of great spots. And, and Stuka Junior, man, for being his age and his, you know, he's a little bit thicker than you know most high flyers, and yep. that guy was still. Flying around, hitting those ropes hard with intensity and flying all over the place. Yeah, man. There was some really cool stuff here. You know, Okamura go, uh, using his heel tactics, he stole Stuka's mask. Um, at one point, Stuka went for the torpedo splash, and uh, Okamura was able to counter it and roll through for a near fall. Um, lots of back and forth action, but uh, eventually Stuka was able to put him away and retain his title. Um, keep in mind, Stuka is in the middle of a 500 plus day run with this. Uh, Title as well, so I mean this, um, you know this this is awesome. Yeah, great matchup here. Definitely recommend a match to watch from this uh, tour. So then we move on uh, another six man matchup here between Lij, uh, Evil Shingo and Bushi taking on uh, Dulce Gardenia, Fuego, and Risuke Gucci. The the main thing here it's a lot of the same things we've kind of mentioned, but the big part was a. Uh, uh, Dolce Gardenia going to go f- for one too many kisses, and Bushi s- uh, sprayed him with the mist for his troubles, and uh, uh, r- they ended up uh, rolling up Fuego for the win. Yeah, and he accidentally uh, kissed Taguchi at one point when Taguchi was, like, stunned for, like, the rest of the match. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was pretty funny. Oh, my gosh. So the uh, the next match, uh, another singles match, this is for the CMLL World Heavyweight Championship. Now, keep in mind, here's something very interesting. Most companies... I would say almost virtually every company, when you have a world heavyweight championship, that's primarily going to be your top title in that company. In Mexico, um, in most companies, it's never been that way. Uh, more recently in the past decade, AAA uh, introduced their mega championship, which essentially is a world heavyweight title. But prior to that, almost every single um, Mexican company, if they had a world heavyweight title, it was not their primary championship because they have weight classes and most, you know, Mexican wrestlers and luchadors are well below the heavyweight limit. The heavyweight titles never uh, seem to be held by top guys. You know what I mean? Or, right. you know, it's almost like a, a UFC situation where like if you have a star that's the light heavyweight champion, then at the time that's going to seem like it's a top belt. Whoever's the, the top star in the weight class and gets over more is going to be kind of whatever the top belt kind of is. That's actually a great analogy because throughout the history of uh, the UFC in particular, there have been some big stars that have held the heavyweight title, but there's a lot of guys who have been uh, lower drawing acts who've held that title and were nowhere near the star of, say, like many of the the middleweight, welterweight, light heavyweight, uh, you know, champions. Very similar in Mexico. So, even though this is Satoshi Kojima challenging for the world heavyweight title of CMLL, this is by no means the top title in CMLL. Um, in CMLL, the top title, and you might ask, well, what is the top title? 
whoever the top star is, exactly whatever belt they're holding, that's usually now throughout throughout history there've been you know there are some belts that are more uh, prestigious than others, but the world heavyweight title is not one of them. With that in mind, you have Ultimo Guerrero, who is a first ballot Hall of Famer when you know his time comes, and um, you know him and Satoshi Kojima. We got a great build to this match all tour, and this was a match that I had said previously that I thought was going to be a sleeper hit and really deliver. I do have to say, I enjoyed this match. I was a little bit disappointed. It wasn't quite what I thought the the previews kind of. Uh, showed us it could have possibly been, but all in all, still a good 13-minute kind of brawl. Yeah, I really enjoyed this match. Uh, one of my favorite matches of the tour. I was pretty high on this match. I was like in a 3-7-5 uh, range here for this matchup here. I thought Kojima looked really great. You know, a lot of these third-generation guys, they're retiring or falling apart considering retiring, and I thought Kojima looked really good. You know, there wasn't really anything that he did personally where I was like, oh, my gosh, like this guy – Needs to get out the ring. There was one scary spot where he did a, uh, a Frankensteiner yeah. and landed on his shoulder. Oh, you know what? We forgot to mention, Kojima's been doing uh, outside planches. Yes, he's been doing planches. Love it. I love it. This they're, man, yeah. They're terrible, though. <laughs> like, they're, they're better than uh, Nakanishi. I was going to say, I don't know if they're better than Nakanishi. Yes. Bro, because Nakanishi at least clears the ring. Like, Kojima, the first night, he freaking hit the apron on his way down. <laughs> I think his foot hit the ropes. It's kind of, oh, my God. But um, that being said, I you're right. I don't think either man did anything. I think it had more to do with the, the layout of the match. They tried to have a lucha plunder brawl. They, it was kind of slow and plotting. They were kind of, you know, outside doing a lot of crowd brawling for long periods of this match. So I think that didn't really help too much. I would have much rather seen them have, like, like a, a lucha. Never style. Like a lucha rezu, you know, uh, like yeah, some some never striking with some some lucha stuff kind of kicked in, you, you know what you, what you kind of see from Ultimo Guerrero in Mexico, and I was hoping for a little bit more of that, but ultimately I thought the match was good. Um, I did notice that when um, Guerrero hit the Guerrero special, the crowd barely reacted because I don't think they thought that that was the finish, mm-hmm. and they were kind of uh, deflated a little bit when Kojima didn't kick out. Yeah, so was I. <laughs> Even though I was, I knew that he wasn't going to win this matchup here. The uh, match was fine. The one thing I will say is I kind of was hoping that maybe this would be something that endeared the New Japan office to take a look at this and be like, you know what? We need to give Kojima that, that one. La- this year I want the Kojima uh, G1 run. I don't think that this necessarily for sure detracted from it, but I don't think it helped, to be honest. like, I, There's nothing that I saw in this match where I was like, oh, Kojima needs to be in the G1, you know what I mean? Right. But then again, he's working with a with the Luchador. They're both a little bit older, and so it might not be a big deal at all. Right. Yeah, I definitely think, based on what I've seen, he can definitely go in the G1. But again, like you were saying, he didn't really do anything completely blow away to be like 100% lock him down. He needs to be in there. It was just interesting how this was the match I was most anticipating going into this night. And I ended up loving Stuka Jr. and Okamura much more, and that was kind of surprising to me. Yeah. Then the main event, we had the Black Cat Memorial match that featured uh, Negro Casas, Euphoria, and Barbaro Cavanario taking on Karistico, Hiroshi Tanahashi, and Tiger Mask. This was fine. Um, nothing really blow away, but I thought the Negro Casas Tiger Mask uh, interactions where they're just slapping the crap out of each other was really awesome. Also, the back and forth between Negro Casas and Tanahashi just felt really 
uh, kind of surreal. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, what the heck? <laughs> We're getting Tanahashi and Negro Casas in a match going head to head. That's kind of cool. Um, otherwise, it was it was a fun showcase match. Yeah, and then obviously in memory of uh, Black Cat and you know his family was out there and uh, kind of they've been doing this a lot on the Fantastic Mania tour since he's passed away, kind of honoring uh, Black Cat. And then that takes us to the final night of Fantastic Mania tour. Uh, 2020 night eight. Uh, we started off with uh, tag team action Taguchi and Fuego defeating Doki and Yoshinabu Kanemaru. Um, you know, just continuation of the sodomy uh, storyline we've <laughs> and also uh, Doki eating the pin on every single match on this tour that he's been on. Not surprised. <laughs> After that, we had uh, Tiger Mask defeating Tiger. Um, I'm assuming they put this match together because it's two feline-based characters. Yes, 2020 is the year where we're getting similar gimmicks versus each other. We're getting uh, Cavanario versus Caveman Ugg <laughs> at WrestleCon Worldwide. Here we got Tiger Mask versus Tiger. Um, I don't five-minute match, very generic. Don't have much to say. Uh, one of the lower performing. Uh, I mentioned earlier on the show. I was like, man, when they do singles matches on this tour, they really deliver. Well, this is the exception. This, yeah, to the rule. it was. Yeah, not this. Yeah. Um, after uh, Tiger Mask ended up uh, hitting a Tiger Bomb and a Tiger Suplex put Tiger away. After that, we had uh, Guerrero Maya Jr., Flyer, and Aodaz defeating Naviage, Lucifierno, and Euphoria. Um, I thought that this was pretty good. Yeah, it was fun. Um, the Cork and Crowd really loved it, and this was, um, you know, a true luchador-style match. And um, yeah, I thought uh, Aodaz looked pretty good in this match. Yep. I Like I said, uh, I think Aodaz and Guerrero Maya Jr. were real standouts uh, during this tour for sure. Um, entertaining match um, for these guys, you know, um, here on Fantastic Mania Tour. Uh, after that, we had Shingo, Bushi, and Evil defeating Hiroshi Tanahashi, 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 <laughs> uh, Dolce Gardenia, and Yuya Yumura. And um, this was the culmination of the tour-long um, story of uh, Dolce Gardenia trying to kiss every member of LIJ, especially Shingo Takagi. <laughs> and in my opinion and estimation, by far the best match of the six-man tags that LIJ had. Yes, and honestly, the best part, the best stuff in this match was Yuya Mora and Shingo towards the end, man. They had a great closing stretch here. And uh, Yumura getting some really great near falls on Shingo and the crowd buying it, the crowd wanting Yumura to pin Shingo. And it was great. Yeah, I mean, the the big thing here was the Torlong Kiss storyline eventually paid off. Uh, Dolce Gardenia fooled Shingo and countered a clothesline with a kiss, which at that point, like, the Cork and Hall crowd just Dude, literally exploded. Huge pop, Road Warrior pop. Yeah, and I mean, there was other, there was a bunch of other, like, kisses, people... Missing kisses and um, all sorts of stuff. I did hear that um, the crowd was chanting "Beso," which is "kiss" in Spanish. Spanish yeah, and um, <laughs> <laughs> like he made Tanahashi and Evil accidentally kissed, and then he kissed the referee, then kissed Evil, who ran and kissed or uh, ran and tagged Shingo. Uh, even Jushin Thunder Liger was like chanting "Beso" in commentary, so it was pretty funny. Yeah, and then uh, yeah, with the big kiss to Shingo, which led to uh, Imura cradling Shingo right afterwards yes. in a super. Hot near fall. The crowd if, if wanted it. I could have literally, I thought for a second, I was like, they they really did this just now, but they didn't. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah Shingo uh, eventually rebounded. Saito suplex and pumping bomber knocked uh, Yamora's head off. <laughs> I mean, what I'll say here is, you know, they took a really simple and sort of dumb storyline involving a kiss, and, and they developed it throughout the whole entire tour and got a huge payoff. 
Um, Dolce Gardenia got super over with the uh, Japanese audience. I'm going to say this. I will not be surprised if he's in Best of the Super Juniors. Now, I know there's some people that are like, maybe didn't love the gimmick or they're not as familiar with Exoticos or they think that this is too silly for New Japan. Keep in mind, this is the company that has had Colt Cabana in multiple tournaments. They're the same company that pushed guys like Ryosuke Taguchi and Yano. I think that there is a spot for a guy like Gardenia on Best of the Super Juniors Tour to kind of alleviate some of the uh, load off of someone like Taguchi and provide comedic relief and kind of serve as like a junior Mexican Yano type character during Super Juniors. And he can go, and he can fly, and he can wrestle, and he gets huge pops. I almost think, I think he's going to be in Best Super Juniors. And like mentioned, yeah, he defeated... um Quato took his hair, so and, and CMLL is really pushing him, and he's like made a name. For, he's the one true breakout guy during this tour. Um, I'm not going to be surprised if he's he's on Super Juniors, like at all. Like I'm not saying it's going to happen. We don't know anything, but I mean, just judging off the based the, off the booking and the yeah. reactions and everything, yeah. I think he's a. I think he's. I'm not saying he's a lock, but I would say like I'm seventy thirty that he's going to be in Super mm. Juniors. I mean, yeah, based off the booking, I could see it. Um, but how, how how high were you on that match? Uh, I was like three and a half. Uh, I was like three and three quarters. I thought it was mm. really good. Yeah, I mean, it was a really good match. Um, after that, we got Ultimo Guerrero, Negro Casas, Nakamura, defeating Stuka Jr., Soberano Jr., and Satoshi Kojima. Yeah, so it was once again just kind of closing off, closing the loop here on these rivalries that we had throughout the whole, tor- uh, whole tournament, a whole tour, excuse me. And uh, with these guys, Ultimo Guerrero, Negro Casas, Okamura, taking on the guys they've been feuding with this whole tour. Yep. And it, it was a fine matchup here. Uh, nothing kind of over the top here. But uh, Negro Casas picks up a big win here on the last night of the tour. And again, Soberano Jr. being the standout guy during this match. I would I would say that there's a good uh, argument that Soberano Jr. might be the MVP of the tour. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that he might have done enough to get himself a potential uh, super. I, if you had to ask me two guys that might be super juniors bound, I would say Sobrano Jr. and Gardenia, Dolce, Dolce Gardenia, my two top picks for that based yep. off of what we've seen on Fantastic Mania. Um, after that, we got the CMLL National mm-hmm. Trio Championship as La Nueva Generacion Dinamitas uh, defeated Angel de Oro, Niebla Roja, and Titan. Yeah, so obviously they've been kind of building this the whole tour with the brother tournament with the Diamitas against the Chavez brothers and the, the Teton and Forestero feud. And then we mentioned we had the preview match the, the night before. So this was a kind of the big kind of culmination between all those rivalries that they've been telling over the whole tour, kind of combining the brother tournaments and that single rivalry with Teton and Forestero. And uh, I thought this was a, a pretty good matchup here, but I, I got to say, I think I like the, the preview the match. Pre- the preview match better. was better. Yeah. The preview match was better. Teton, to me, was the highlight of the match, as he most often is just a really great luchador. Uh, finishing stretch saw uh, the Dinamitas uh, take out Niebla Roja with the chair, and then Teton uh, stupidly took himself out with the uh, Asai Moonsault. So uh, Angel de Oro was left alone trying to uh, take on Quatrero and Sanson. They used the uh, Catapulta Dinamita to finish him off, retain the trio's championship. So they cut off the members and isolated guy. And yeah. Him. I think the preview match was wrestled more of the pace 
like Angel Oro, Neb Roja, and Teton were kind of pushing the pace in that match. And in this match, it was the Diamitas that were kind of pushing the pace here. That was, yeah, I think the first match was more of your traditional luchador-based kind of in-ring product, whereas this one was kind of all over the place. There was a lot of stuff that wasn't really connected. The finish was a little flat. There was just... The, 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 I get the story, but the guys were kind of all over the outside area, and that created the opening for the Dinamitas, but it did produce not as good of a match. Yeah. And then the main event, the NWA World Historic Middleweight Championship, as Caristico defends the title against Barbaro Cavernario. And for those of you that don't know, Cavernario is my favorite luchador. Yeah, and I'm um, very excited. Yeah, we saw him live WrestleMania weekend this uh, last year in New York on the WrestleCon Super Show, and I'm excited to see him again coming to Tampa for WrestleMania weekend again. But, yeah, definitely one of the standout guys in CMLL, one of their top stars, and um, had a great up matchup here against Caristico. Yeah, so this is the most indicative of what you might expect when you see big title matches in Arena Mexico from CMLL. Um, spot fests that culminate in big move after big move after big move with lots of near falls, lots of near submissions and finishes. The only big difference here was that this was a single fall match, whereas in, in Mexico you typically have two out of three falls for almost almost every match, but especially title matches. This played out similarly to how the third fall of a big title match in Mexico might might uh, play out. Very similar in some aspects to the way the Cristico Volador Jr. match was the previous year. Mm-hmm. The only difference here is Cristico was the clear uh, Technico, while Cavernario was uh, obviously the the Rudo. Last year, I think Caristico was playing a, almost a bit of a Rudo character against right. Rudor. Right, and plus, too, because they had Mystico on the tour as well, and also there's kind of a history there between Caristico and Mystico, and so he was kind of playing a heel, a, the heel, the Rudo, during that tournament, that yep. tour last year. But both of these guys were able to uh, bust out all their best moves, diving all over the place, lots of topes, Canadian destroyers, Hurricane Ranas, um, Awesome finishing stretch with Crisco uh, resisting La Cavernaria submission hold. Countered, uh, attacked with the top rope Spanish fly for a near fall. Uh, and then Crisco hit La Mystica uh, and Barbaro Cavernario uh, immediately tapped out. I think for some people, when they watch this type of match, you either love it or you hate it. There's some people that don't like the, I don't want to say slow because it wasn't slow, but the way that there's like the measured big move, near fall, kick out, big move. There are some people who really hate that uh, style and model of, of wrestling match, but for me, I love it. <laughs> yeah, I honestly, dude, this, this is my match of the whole tour. This is my favorite match of the tour. I thought this was the best match of the tour. I'm like in the four-star range of this thing. Yeah, it was like four, four and a quarter. Yeah. I liked it just slightly better than Okamura and uh, – who, who do you wrestle? And uh, Stuka Jr. <laughs> Stuka Jr. Um, I mean, what 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 moments stick out to you as uh, you know being most memorable? So obviously, always Cavernario's signature um, splash to the outside. God, yeah, I feel bad for his knees. Um, luckily, he's you know still pretty young, but yeah, those those splashes always kind of look great. Um, also, the the tease of you know Cavernario's uh, submission. You know they they do a great job of pushing that submission. On this tour and in CMLL, a lot of the submissions you'll notice that they lock them in. It's an immediate, it's immediate. tap out. It's not the dramatic long guys. Guys don't stay in um, those submission holds very long in Mexico. Some, especially if it's a finish. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, once they hit it, it's pretty much over. Right, they lock it in. There's they're they're 
wailing their hands or tapping. And and part of that is not just the fact that like in many cases, if you really think about it from a logical standpoint, if you really lock in a finish hold or a submission hold, like let's say it's a true shoot fight and I and I and I'm wrenching on an arm bar. If someone can fight out of it, it's usually because it's not fully applied correctly. But when you have something deep locked in for real, most of the time the person's going out in short order, whether that's, uh, you know, they say tap or snap or they say tap or take a nap. You know what I mean? Right. That's kind of how it works in Mexico. But the other reason why is because they do so many two out of three fall matches that it doesn't really, in most cases, like if you're going to get a quick fall off of a submission hold, that needs to stay consistent throughout most matches. So, you know, guys will get a submission hold. The other guy will tap real quick. That's the end of the fall. And so it's just, it's it's a byproduct of the type of wrestling that they do over there in Mexico. Right. So yeah, I really like that, just the way they kind of build their submissions and how kind of how strong they kind of are. And so we saw in this tour, you know, Cavernero finishing people with, with his finisher and tapping out real quick. And obviously La Mystica, I think it's kind of one of the most kind of popular um, you know, arm bar submissions in Mexico kind of based off Mystico using it first and then kind of being passed on to the current Mystico and now Cavernario continues to, or Heristico, excuse me, continues to use it. And so, yeah, it's kind of the teases of that and just a, a lot of great spots. Obviously, Heristico for running Destroyer that looked great. Yeah, so many great, just, you know, huge spots here in this match. Yep, um, definitely the the match of the tour. Um Caristico after the match took to the mic and claimed that CMLL is the number one company in the world. <laughs> and then he uh, strangely challenged Barbaro Cavernario to a mask versus hair match. Um, Barbaro just walked away and didn't pay him any attention. It was a uh, kind of weird and unless like I thought the promo was a little bit unnecessary. Yeah, well, they they were teasing uh, mask versus hair the night before, also trying to make you think the title match was kind of the same thing with the Stuka Junior Okamura thing. The only weird thing is every year during Fantastic Mania tour we get guys during promos talking about mask versus hair, or title versus mask, or you know the 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 bet matches, the Apuetas uh, matches. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times they don't end up happening. So I don't know. It's just weird. It's like guys, guys wiling when they're over in, in Japan, just saying whatever they want on the, on the, on the promos. You know? Right. You know what it is? They're, they're trying to get the, those matches get the biggest paydays and they're trying to uh, work themselves into a payday brother. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then we uh, close the show out. Everybody else on the tour kind of comes out to take their pictures. You know, the music's playing, they sell their merch and it's like a great, happy ending to the show. Yep. Um, Best night of the, I thought this was the best night of the tour easily. Yeah, overall, yeah, best match, than, uh, excuse me, best night of the tournament, of the tour. And uh, I don't know why I keep saying tournament. Best night of the tour. Um, I was surprised, though. Um, many, oftentimes, Cavernario usually stands out to me as being, like, one of the true standouts. And, yes, he had a fantastic final match. But the during most of the tag matches, he was just kind of there. Right, yeah, he just kind of played the hits, so to speak, kind of hit his spots in those tag matches and, didn't do anything overly, you know, out of this world in those matches. Kind of reserved himself for the Caristico match. Now, if we were awarding an MVP for the tour, I think there's two guys that really stand out as the true MVPs. It would be Soberano Jr. and probably Teton. Yeah. Who do you give the edge to? Because both those guys were probably the most impressive night after night, match after match. I might go Teton just because he had a singles match. Yeah. Against uh, Forestero. Uh 
yeah, maybe if Soberano Jr. had had a singles match in on the tour, maybe he could have gotten the edge, but I think I'll give it to Teton. Yeah, and I think I'm going Soberano Jr., just being a more fresh face, and um, we've seen him kind of fall flat before in, in New Japan, and he kind of really delivered in major ways. Um, Teton, obviously, is still just so awesome. Um, you can't go wrong either way, but I think that those are like the two standouts, honestly. Nice. And so this kind of plays into questions. So we did have a question from Muzza asking, who from Fantastic Mania, Mania impressed you a lot? Who from CML would you like to see in Best of Super Juniors? Um, I'm going to kick it to you. All right. So uh, most impressed from Fantastic Mania. Uh, also, I really um, liked Teton. Like I said, he was my MVP of the tournament. Thought uh, Soberana Jr., was impressive, and then what, like we mentioned, from that kind of um, undercard, undercard, middle of the card kind of pack, Audaz and Guerrero Meyer Jr. were really impressive as well. So let me take a look here. So this was a question coming from uh, Muzza yeah. Murray. Shout out to Murray. Um, so I mean, the guys that really impressed me a lot. I mean, Sobrano Jr. impressed me quite a bit. Um. Man, so uh, Negro Casas. Yes, another one. Yeah, Negro Casas. Um, Teton. Um, Dolce Gardenia. Audaz. Um, you know, um, who was the other undercard? Guerrero Maya. Guerrero Maya Jr. Those guys all really stood out. I mean, the Chavez brothers obviously are also, you know, really, really good standout. So are the Dinamitas. I mean, quite a few. Um as far as who from CMLL would I like to see in the best super juniors, um, Sobrano Jr. stands out to me. Um, I wouldn't be opposed to Audaz, but I don't think he really did enough to really, like, endear himself to the crowd. I I think they should go with Gardenia. I really do. Also, especially if hypothetically, here's an interesting thing. Think about this. Um, Gardenia had issues all tour long with who? Bushi. L.I.J. Yeah. And then hypothetically, we've discussed if they bring back Kawato's son, where would he maybe fit in the best? L.I.J. L.I.J., given the history between him and Naito and how they've always treated him and things of that nature. And if you bring him back and have him in um, L.I.J., you've got a built-in kind of like little rivalry there, especially them sort of. I think that this might be something we look back as. Maybe not, but I wouldn't be surprised if this is a little bit of breadcrumb storytelling with Gardenia and, and Kawato's son in New Japan in the future. Right, and even if Kawato doesn't join LIJ, if he, let's say he, he comes back for Best of Super Junior, they could still kind of replay that rivalry there as well. Absolutely. And yeah, But I think it makes sense if they do LIJ. Yeah, it does make a lot more sense. Um, and then, I th- did you ask the other question he had? Yeah, so his last question was, speaking of Best of Super Junior, early Best of the Super Junior winner. Hmm. I will not be surprised if they go El Fantasma this year. Yeah, that I mean that could be the, the hot pick. I mean, won the Super J Cup last year, went uh, won six straight last year's best of Super Junior. I'm just trying to think of like who the field's going to be. Really, would definitely be a possibility. He's never won. He's never won it. Mm-hmm. You know what? I'm I'm going to go Really over ELP. I'm going to go ELP just because they're so high on him. I, w- I just really wouldn't be surprised if they end up going El Fantasmo. I- I'd hate to see it. <laughs> you hate to see you it. You hate to see it. But I kind of <laughs> want it to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Why, to see me blow up? Yeah. 
so we can get another uh, young boy rant. We haven't had one for the year yet. So <laughs> uh, we had our next question from Da Extinct One. Um, he said, "What are your thoughts on Okada's comment on doing an Olympics esque event with All Japan Pro Wrestling and Noah, similar to the All Together events from several years ago? It, is it possible, despite the current relationships of the promotions, New Japan and Noah specifically?" Yeah, so this is a story that I did have in the news. So Okada was interviewed during the Tokyo Sports when he was uh, getting his awards, and he said, with Tokyo 2020 coming, I'd love to have a huge pro wrestling event, one that beats out the Olympics, involve the best from all sorts of organizations, show the power of pro wrestling is far greater than amateur wrestling at the Olympics. <laughs> <laughs> and then he did mention wanting to get, you know, Kento Miyahara, and uh, what's the the other um, Kito Kiyomiya? Yes, Kiyomiya. I actually think that this is. Many people think that this is going to be the catalyst uh, for uh, cross promotional show involving the top stars from these three big companies. But I actually think that this is going to be the catalyst for a Inokiism esque matchup between the, whoever the top. Uh, amateur wrestler from japan is <laughs> entering the wrestling ring to take on the okada. ace okada they're gonna resurrect the uh the they're gonna resurrect the uh wwf martial arts world championship oh and uh award that title to okada since uh you know he's the ace of the company he's already won the iwgp title a bunch of times he needs to, to hold the shoot title but can okada shoot oh yes <laughs> He's got that Yave-style submission <laughs> wrestling from Mexico. That's that true, yeah. <laughs> no, um, speaking of what they're really talking about, though, um, is it possible? I mean, anything's possible. It's 2020 in professional wrestling. We've seen some really crazy stuff, you know, in, in the professional wrestling world over the past few years. I mean, I mean, cra there's been so many crazy things that have happened. So, I mean, it's always possible, and I mean, New Japan has had working relationships with All Japan and NOAA, specifically in the uh, late to, well, even the early to mid-2000s, late-2000s. Um, so it's not impossible. Um, is it likely? I don't know. I mean, do they... It At this point, it to me, it would almost be like New Japan doing a favor for those two companies more right. so than anything Doing them else. a huge favor. I mean, obviously, New Japan's way bigger than All Japan and NOAA right now. Yeah. That would definitely kind of raise the profile of both those companies having their top guys featured on a big New Japan show. Yeah, and it's not just, um, you know, that us saying that. I understand we're a New Japan podcast. There's probably some uh, Pro-Rezu fans out there who are maybe taking offense at that sort of statement, and I get it. You know, there definitely would have been a time where that wouldn't be the, the case at all, you know. In fact, there have been times where All Japan and Noah have kind of helped <laughs> New Japan when when needed, especially some of those early Wrestle Kingdoms kind of come to mind. But um, the reason I'm saying that is just like the where the business is for All Japan, where the business is for Noah at this point in time, and you kind of compare that to where Bushi Road New Japan is. It's it's not in the same league. It's maybe talent wise in some cases yes, but business wise no. Um, I think it's interesting. I think. Maybe Okada's comments might just be like some fan service, to be honest with you. You know, he's talking to a ProRezu publication on a night where there are people being awarded from all the major companies. And, you know, um, that 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 is a statement that would endear him to that audience and to that uh, fan base for sure. Um, I would love to see it. 
you know, if we're being honest, though, it's not like things like this haven't happened. Over, I mean, they had the uh, Destroyer Memorial Show just very recently, the Baba uh, Memorial Show, and on those shows they did have big, big match. I mean, not huge matchups, but, but still, it, you had cross promotional yes uh, matchups. Yeah, so I mean, I would like to see the companies work together. It's been a long time since New Japan had any sort of cross promotion with some of the other. Um, Perezu companies, they've kind of became isolationists in the past year, similar to like how Dragon Gate is, which I'm not a big fan of. I like the olden days when when these companies would work together from time to time. I think it was overdone a bit in the 2000s, but um, I mean, I'm here all day if we can end up getting a um, <laughs> some sort of matchup where you know Okada is on the opposite end of a Kiyomiya or a, a Kenta Miyahara, yeah, or Kenta Miyahara. That would be awesome. I, I just don't know if it's possible. I mean, what do you think? Yeah, I, I just don't know. Like, honestly, I don't think it's impossible. I just don't know if that's a direction that New Japan is going to want to go in right now. Right. It seems like they're very focused on building their brand both in Japan and internationally. And I just don't know how that really plays with other promotions. I can definitely see, obviously, from memorial shows, they'll continue to probably work promotions for that, send guys for that. I just don't know if on a bigger level if they want to do something like that. Um, it would be cool to kind of get some Noah guys and All Japan guys like in the G1 again or even have like somebody come over for like a big like title match, like IWGB title match to kind of freshen up some title defenses. Dude, I loved um, the G1 that year when they had um, uh, Marafuji and um, who was the other... The other, he's in Noah right now. Ah, God, what's his name? I'm blank. I don't really know. Like Mary Fuji is like one of the main Noah guys I know. Oh my God, why can't I remember his name? He okay, so he was a um. I'm not gonna remember on the air, so it doesn't matter. He was he was a young he was like a young up and coming um promising prospect at the time. He's now he's like one of the top stars in Noah. He like turned heel a couple years ago. He had a big feud. Him and Kiyomiya just had one of the biggest. Uh, Matches of the year earlier this year. Um, oh, man. Some pro Reza fan just, like, screaming at the podcast right now. Chris Bryan was at that show. It, I, I cannot remember his name. But, um, yeah, I, I loved it when they had the cross-promotion with, with the Noah guys and um, and that sort of stuff that year when Marafuji and, and uh, Okada were feuding. So, I mean, I would love to see, you know, we always talk about them bringing in outside guys for G1s. And, I mean, World Tag League would be better. If they if we could bring in tag teams from these other companies, especially since they have much better tag, uh, you know, tag team um, divisions than New Japan does, I would love to right. see. Especially uh, all Japan because they had like what they're the, what they call like the real World Tag League, where they had a lot of teams. Well, they both they both have tag leagues. Uh, every company does, but yeah. they have better tag teams over there. And I mean, I would love to see. I mean, it would just be cool if they they in, incorporated some of those guys every once in a while. I mean, I would love it. So yeah. Um, we also had a question from uh, Toss a Cube. What does Toss a Cube to your Witcher mean? Well, I know Witcher is from you know the, the video game in the show uh, Witcher. Okay, but I don't know what tossing the cube has to do with it though. So we have a question from at Cubasite. He says, "Do you think Okada's interview about doing a show f- with All Japan Noah before the Olympics is a sign that New Japan wants to start working again with other Japanese promotions?" We kind of just touched on that, but I don't think it necessarily is a sign. Um, but I hope it will open the forbidden door. <laughs> oh my! <laughs> the the forbidden uh, Japanese door. Yeah. Um. Uh, after that, we had a question from uh, Grunty Dodds. He says, 
who will be the next person to win the IWGP title for the first time? That is an interesting question. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Will Ospreay. Oh, no way. <laughs> Kota Ibushi is going to win the title way before he does. That's true. I forgot Ibushi hasn't won the title. I also think Sonata might win the title before he does. If I had to, if I had to like, literally take a guess, I would say Sonata and, and uh, Ibushi are more in line, personally speaking. I, I could see, hypothetically, Will o- See, right now, do you see where I see Will Ospreay being? I kind of see him being like where Kenny was prior to winning the G1. Yeah. It's not a perfect analogy, but like he's close to being elevated to the main event level. But re- keep in mind, Kenny Omega winning the G1 was only that first step. It was a long time before he still even won the title. True, yeah. I think we're waiting to see Will get elevated to true main event level first. Then once he's on the main event level, we have to... Get him to the to win the title. Yeah, Bushi and Sonata would definitely be. They're, he would have to leapfrog them to get past them, and I just think he could be the next guy. He definitely could, but I think it. If I was just playing the numbers, playing the odds, I think that both of those guys have a better shot. Right, and uh, Shingo's another guy I could see in that pipeline down I the could line. Too. I could too, but I think personally, I think that they go with Will before. I think they've got more. Skin in the game with Will right now than Shingo. Yeah, I think they would definitely go Will over Shingo, and then they would go Abushi and Sonata over Will. Yeah. Um, next question comes from Reddit user Rambones Slam Pig. He says, "What are your thoughts on the Lions Break Project show for Mania Weekend? Do you think the card will be similar to past ones, or will there be something a little bit different due to the Mania Weekend hype?" So, yes, it's definitely something we had in the news. So, Lions Break. Project 3 coming here to our beautiful city of Tampa uh, during WrestleMania weekend. And so we got Tanahashi announced for the show. We got Ren Narita, Carl Fredericks, Clark Connors, and Alex Coughlin all announced for April 2nd, 3 p.m. at the Ritz Ebor. Yep. So I think it's going to be very similar to some of the other Lines Break Project shows. You know, you'll probably see some uh, lower mid-card guys, like maybe a Taguchi, maybe Rocky Romero or something like that on those shows. Mm-hmm. Um, guys that are kind of, kind of involved in, like, coaching sort of roles. And obviously Tanahashi. I'm hoping we get Tanahashi Carl Fredericks. Dude, that would be amazing. Uh, that's kind of the match I'm hoping for. Uh, I'd also settle for him and Ren Narita. Mm. Uh, like Tanahashi and Narita? Yeah. Yeah. Um, all the, they, who knows? I think it's not going to be a long show. I think at most you're looking at a two hour show with maybe five or six matches. I think that will be the format. I think that fits right in line with how a lot of shows kind of go WrestleMania weekend, especially that early in the day. They're usually right. a little shorter. Those mid afternoon ones, they, they want to get you out in time to get you to your night show. This is happening. So this is happening. What day is this? So this is Thursday. So that night you have WrestleCon Super Show and Bloodsport. Is that an afternoon show? What? Uh, Lions Break Project? Yeah, it's at 3 p.m. And so you have WrestleCon Super Show and Bloodsport at 8. So I'm sure they want to give you a little bit of a buffer to kind of get where you're going to the next place. I mean, that's a lot of time, though. I mean, they could hypothetically go three hours, go to six, and still be fine. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't think they'll go that long. Because I don't think the other Lions Break Project shows have gone that long, but uh, it's possible. I mean, you're looking at a two to three hour show. Yeah, I'm gonna guess maybe probably like two and a half as the max. 
I, I'm going to go on the safe side. Just say it's probably gonna be a, a five or six match, two hour show. Yeah. You know, and it's probably, it's probably not going to be, you know, you're not getting like these big singles matches. It's a lines break project show. So, I mean, you're going to get, I still think it's going to be awesome. I mean, you know, I, I do yeah, too. you know, we've raved over the, the lion gates project shows that they've done. Gata has kind of put on and you know, we love the young lions that they just, just do a great job. Especially, you know, the, the, the L.A. Dojo guys are just phenomenal. And so seeing those guys in singles matches will be great. And we'll probably also see a couple other of the New Japan of America guys. We'll probably see maybe an, an Alex Zane, maybe an Amazing Red. JP. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, also, it's Mania Weekend. They might even be having hypothetically, quote-unquote, tryouts. They might have someone from the, the independent scene like, like you said, like Alex Zane, who I guess is on these New Beginning shows, but they might incorporate him or they might incorporate somebody else. We don't know. Maybe uh, some OAO. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. Um, uh, continuation of his question, he said, uh, Killer Cross put out a fan poll on Twitter asking where he should perform next. NJPW was one of the choices. Do you think there would be mutual interest and would it be a good fit? Yes and yes. Dude, yeah, Killer Cross, the little bit I've seen of him is awesome. I think he would definitely fit in a New Japan environment, especially kind of having, he has like almost like a strong style type of vibe to his matches. I know he's done a blood sport before. Yep, and, I was there. And he just has like a very just like almost a Suzuki Goon type of vibe that I think he would fit right perfectly well in New Japan. The match he had at uh, blood sport last year with Davey Boy Smith Jr. freaking ruled one of the like two or three best matches of that show which was an incredible show by the way but um i don't know if new japan would be interested necessarily but he he has the look he's got an incredible physique he has an incredible intensity he's a no-nonsense guy he reminds me of many of the gaijin workers that were in new japan in the mid-2000s they don't have too many gaijin his size in the heavyweight sort of division right now um, and he can really work. Uh, they would be stupid to not have some level of interest, and I think he should also have some level of interest. Right. Um, but I also wonder, you know, WWE probably should want him, and so should AEW, so I don't know. Right. He's going to be one of the hottest free agents. I think he's finally got released from Impact. But honestly, I think he's probably going to be WWE bound. His uh, girlfriend, I don't know, if, I don't think they're married, but girlfriend, um, what's her name? I'm blanking on her name. Is it the Smoke Show? Yes, Smoke Show. What's um, her name? <laughs> I'm like blanking on her name right now. I don't know. Uh, yeah, the Smoke Show. <laughs> she's she's signed to NXT. Dude, we forgot. We're, we, why are we forgetting her name? How could I forget the Smoke Show's name? Uh, but yeah, she's signed to NXT right now. So I, I could definitely see, you know, wanting to kind of stay close to her and uh, signing an NXT contract. I could definitely see that happening. But I could also see, you know, AEW, especially with their new... A TV deal being announced, the extension of that TV deal, and the uh, the money they'll be getting from that, they could sign, they could play, you know, put a, put a big bid in for a guy like um, Killer Cross. Yeah. So uh, moving on to the next question comes from uh, Reddit user PSAN91. What are your thoughts? Oh, Scarlet Scarlet Bordeaux is her name, right? Scarlet Bordeaux. But yeah, just came back to me. Yeah, um, Reddit question question from Reddit user PSAN91. What are your thoughts on a lot of NJPW talent being announced for Super Card of Honor show during WrestleMania weekend? Do you think it's a sign of the 
NJPW and ROH partnership getting stronger again. So another news item that we had here was just all these crazy announcements of the ROH Supercard show that's going to be happening on Lakeland Saturday of WrestleMania week. And so they have announced Will Ospreay, Taiji Ishimori, El Fantasmo, Kenta, Dragon Lee, Jeff Cobb, and Jay White. As of this recording are some of the New Japan names that have been announced for the show. And we've kind of heard rumors with Marty Skrull's deal taking a part of the booking team that he's planning on you know, strengthening all the relationships that Ring of Honor has and definitely that New Japan relationship. You know, New Japan, they love Marty. And so it definitely seems like this whole Marty being on the Booker team was in the works and Marty has been working on this deal for a while. Katsuhiko Nakajima. Is that the guy you were talking <laughs> That's about? That's who I was trying to remember from the 2016 G1 Climax, who uh, is the same age as me, 31. Um, yeah, um... <laughs> Um, so my thoughts on the New Japan Town being announced for Supercard of Honor. Um, it's definitely a sign that New Japan and Ring of Honor partnership is stronger than it was. And as you mentioned, I think it has everything in the world to do with what's going on with Marty Skrull. Absolutely. Like, we know for a fact that New Japan Pro Wrestling had interest in him. And, um, I mean, yeah, it's 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 really crazy because... You kind of look at the timeline of things. I mean, we've th- there are different things we've kind of discussed in the past. Um, the fact that New Japan Pro Wrestling was running literally in the exact same cities at the exact same venues earlier this year that traditionally Ring of Honor runs, but they ran those those shows, tours, and dates without any Ring of Honor presence, without any Ring of Honor talent. Um, Ring of Honor has done multiple tours this year that traditionally would have involved New Japan Pro Wrestling talent. Uh, little to no interaction um, there. Uh, we didn't get. Uh, they usually run two tours, like Global Wars and War of the Worlds. Right. They used uh, CMLL for, for the, Global Wars. Yeah. So yeah. So we didn't get a, a New Japan Global Wars tour with Ring of Honor like we normally do. Um, just almost no real interaction all year. I mean, the last uh, substantial interaction between the two companies kind of seems like it was in the summer when, when uh, GOD was holding the ROH championships. And after that was kind of like non-existent, um, you know, also keep in mind when all of the, uh, you know, there was all of that controversy, con- controversy, controversy uh, surrounding the stuff with, um, uh, was it Joey Mercury? Yeah. And there was like leaked, you know, there was all the, there was all the leaked, uh, Texts text. and tweets of what uh, Hikaleo and how he was treated and how all uh, the New Japan guys right. were treated. And so it definitely seemed like there was tensions. And, and also, keep in mind, we're not even getting a Honor Rising tour, you know, in the next few months like we normally do. So, I mean, these are all very clear indications that there was a, there's been a strain between the two companies. At the same time, Harold Mai has... N- been very reluctant when asked about it to ever say anything other than the fact that they are still working together, say anything other than that, you know, when they're still partners and that when they're, you know, that when new Japan has a partner, they, they go into, it's almost like a marriage. Joe Coff has mentioned multiple times that they still maintain their, uh, new Japan affiliation. And, um, you know, when, now that we kind of have found out what's going on with Marty Scroll, you look at it and Marty literally, 
was able to kind of parlay his contract status into having negotiations with AEW, probably having uh, offers from WWE as well. Uh, We know that there was definitely interest from New Japan. He was able to kind of parlay all of that into basically re-signing with uh, Ring of Honor. And if you remember, like, you, you had mentioned a few weeks back that you were like, Marty's done, and I was like, I'm pretty sure I'm hearing that there's possibility that he might work dates past that time. Mm-hmm. Once once uh, Villain Enterprises didn't drop the six-man mm-hmm. tag titles, it was a clear indication that something was up. Um, obviously, after that, he ended up showing up at, uh, what was it called, Into the Fire? Um, yes, the NWA pay-per-view. The NWA pay-per-view. He kind of made his, his uh, uh, you know, debut there. We all thought Marty was completely AEW bound for sure, especially once they leaked uh, proposed, uh, you know, Marty Skrull merchandise with the AEW logos on it. And he started getting mentioned more and more on uh, being the elite. Being yeah, the there's elite. A, the picture of him towards that one scene with Hangman Page. But what we know now is like M- Marty is basically re-signed with uh, Ring of Honor. Two-year deal. Two-year deal. So now we, we know a date. We know an end date. <laughs> we, we're not going to have to speculate for the next two years. Right. Um, he's only got to work 40 dates a year. He has a prominent position on the booking committee. And he's making, you know, six-figure uh, pay. He's making, yeah, main roster, WWE money. He can work NWA. He can work New Japan. We'll see if the AEW thing works out, but... He can work multiple. He can do international dates. He can work indies. And 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 the talk of the town is that basically, his resigning is basically a good faith testament to to uh, the relationships between uh, Ring of Honor and all those companies. You know, we saw uh, Ring of Honor was working with NWA last year, and then once um, Joe Lagana. That's his name? Dave Lagana. I'm sorry. Dave Lagana, uh, once he left Ring of Honor, that relationship went south. They complete they they broke apart. They weren't working together. Um, I guess just recently what um, Nick Aldis showed up on Ring of Honor television again. Right, yeah. You had Nick Aldis uh well first you had Marty showing up at NWA and then uh, Nick Aldis kind of retaliated and showed up and uh, I think he attacked Marty at one of the, the T V tapings and so at the hard time pay review, they're doing Flip Gordon versus Mar- uh, Nick Aldis in a match, and then also which is which is a, a rematch of a, a title match that they had uh, the year prior on Ring of Honor television, right? For Flip to try and get on All In, yep. And then there's also a tag match coming up on the Free Enterprises show, Marty and Flip against uh, Aldis and Rouge. So that shows right there that there's uh, just literally by the, the deal that. Um, that Marty was able to procure for himself. It also has um, strengthened the relationship between Ring of Honor and NWA. Um, also, you know, one of the last prominent times that we saw Ring of Honor working with New Japan in Japan was during the Best Super Juniors Tour last year when Villain Enterprises was featured as a highlight and they sent Marty as the Ring of Honor, um, you know, representative during that tour. So, Um, since then it's kind of been quiet and now it seems like suddenly he's resigned and suddenly super card of honor is announced. And suddenly we've got literally all the top players from new Japan on that tour. And it's like, well, where did that come from? Right. Yeah. All of a sudden the ring of honor decides to run a new Japan show. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I also think that some of that might have to do with, um, 
New Japan losing their television deal with Axis, um, that might have uh, quite a bit to do with the reinvigorated uh, partnership with these two companies. But, I mean, nothing about this, you know, truth be told, we didn't know this was in, in the play. I don't think anybody really knew what was happening but it didn't happen overnight. This is not a sudden thing at right. all. Right. It's not like one day all of a sudden, you know, Harold May and Gate will just change their mind and we're like, all right, we'll start saying New Japan guys there. Right. I think, you know, the reports are that Marty's wanting to um, repair the relationships between New Japan and Ring of Honor, as well as NWA and Ring of Honor. And I think we're seeing the, the first uh, building blocks towards that right now. The other thing, too, is he's talking about trying to. Uh, build a bridge between um, AEW and Ring of Honor as well. Now, whether that's doable or not, I don't know. But, um, you know, to kind of answer your question, you know, my thoughts on it is that the partnership is definitely being strengthened, even if it's for at least just one show. This is a step in the right direction, um, positively speaking, for these two companies to continue their working relationship and talent trade and all that. Right. So it's going to be very interesting to see what happens come best of super junior G one tag league and see what happens in those three tournaments. See if we're going to get some more ring of honor guys. Maybe I'm guessing Marty's going to work super juniors again and we'll get some more ring of honor guys maybe sprinkled out throughout these tournaments. Yeah. I think it's, this is um, one of the bigger news stories of the year uh, as crazy as it seems is just, you know what the implications of uh, Marty Skrull resigning with a uh, ring of honor have kind of, the ripple effects that it's kind of created throughout the rest of the wrestling industry for sure. Yeah. It's not kind of a, a side story of this mentioning, you know, ring of honor guys. So for world tag league, uh, villain enterprises were supposed to be in world tag league, but uh, Brody King had got injured. And so they, they got pulled from the tour. I wasn't aware of that. Yeah. PCO revealed that in an interview after he won the world title. Hmm. Uh, so yeah. So yeah, we were definitely supposed to get uh, those guys. Well, um, that's big stuff. Uh, let's move on. So uh, we had a question from Just a Little Bear Zero One. He said, "Should Teddy Hart be signed by uh, to New Japan Pro Wrestling?" The troll count certainly thinks so. So I'll say this: uh, number one, no. Uh, number two, I don't know what the troll count is. So yeah, there's a, a Teddy Hart account. I'm not sure if it's him, but kind of there was an account on Reddit. I think it's called like Teddy Hart is back. Kind of you know vouching for Teddy Hart to be signed somewhere like Ring of Honor, New Japan. Somewhere big. Uh, here's the thing. Teddy Hart, I think he's very talented. You know, he was having a good run in MLW, got released there. A lot of, you know, crazy stuff he's been getting involved in or his name has been attached to. I don't think from that standpoint, from a good, you know, from a PR standpoint, just some of the stuff that Teddy Hart could be potentially mixed up with would be good for New Japan. Yeah. I agree with that. Teddy Hart has had issues every single place he has ever worked his entire career. Right. MLW was the one place that everything seemed to be fine. You know, a lot of people were saying Court Bauer was like this, you know, whisperer of, you know, bad attitudes because, you know, he had him doing fine. Loki was doing right. fine. You had all these guys that typically have bad attitudes and get kind of booted from wherever they go. Austin Aries and court was kind of able to calm him down. But with whatever happened, uh, yeah, Teddy Hart got released from MLW and he's kind of doing GCW and indie stuff. But yeah, I have, I have a hard time seeing him get in one of the major promotions right now. Yep. Um, next question. Uh, place your bets, place your bets. Who's Gardenia kissing next? Uh <laughs> 
Well, so, you know, he's been kissing Bushi, Sonata, or Bushi, Evil, and Shingo. I'm guessing, you know, Sonata and Naito and Hiromi would have to be next up, right? Move on to the, the other three members. Yeah, I think he should uh, finish the trifecta. <laughs> it's sort of like the Infinity Stones. Yeah. <laughs> the LIJ Stones. Uh, and yeah, he also, highest Fly Flow also asks, any recommendations for some good CTU Liger and Battle Liger matches? I watched the Hashimoto match, and I really want to see more of Liger in these costumes. Oh, man. I wish I would have known. <laughs> um, I wish I would have known that this question was being asked. Um, I actually don't have any good answers off the top of my head. Um, let's do this. Give me a week, and I'll... I'll get some uh, some recommendations. I really don't have any good recommendations off the top of my head. I know there's probably like a, uh, I think there's a Kendo Cashin match. I think there's a Takaiwa match and an Otani match for CTU Liger. I know he worked as CTU Liger in TNA. Yeah. Um, for Battle Liger. I know, well, when he was Battle Liger, he was mainly working heavyweights. So I know there's probably some G1 matches. But um, I would need... I, that is a period of New Japan that I know about, but I'm not as familiar as maybe some other people. So I would maybe need a week. I can't, uh, you know, I can't pop those off the top of my head as the way I could with the Nakanishi stuff. <laughs> <laughs> the so, other week. Next question from Reddit user Eater of Bread. If the young boy could choose where to go on excursion, which promotion would he pick and why? I would choose Tampa Bay Pro Wrestling. <laughs> Oh, man, get in there with Dax the Axe, yeah, uh, Aaron the Nova. Axe, the technical alchemist, David Mercury. Yes, uh, Rod Grimes, the scoundrel. The scoundrel, Shooter Sandy. Hey, you get a match with Jay, maybe? Yep, Jay Lethal. Um, they got Wheezy. and uh, uh, Yeah, yeah, Wheezy. The other uh, good old boys. Dick Danger. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, uh, the, the crocodile hunter dude. Um, they, they just got so much talent in that promotion. It's also not too far from home, so be a, a short-lived excursion. I could come sleep in my own bed at night. <laughs> <laughs> uh, learn from some of the best, and uh, yeah, that's that's where I would go. Nice. Uh, I, I, let's be clear. I don't ever, I don't want to be a pro wrestler. I do not, I'm not about that bump life at all. Like, I don't want to <laughs> take a bump. I don't, nothing. If if I would do I would do a wrestling match if I had to take no bumps if I if I could you want to wrestle that that Lance Star Lance Storm no bump style the no bump style yeah so uh, next question from Reddit user Viking Pain it says what are yours Jeremy and Youngboy predictions for one wrestler in one faction mine is Jonathan Gresham joins Suzuki Gun with Kanemaru and Despi operating now as more of a tag team and Doki being the team pin eater. Tackles old job. Gresham could come in and be the junior ace the team needs. Plus, he's tailor-made for Zuki-gun with the way he wrestles, and his new octopus mask is badass. As for factions, I think this year New Japan will finally get a sixth faction. Maybe Marty will bring Villain Enterprises to New Japan since he wants to grow the brand worldwide. So, one wrestler, one faction. So, I'm guessing he's saying... So, he wants us to predict something pertaining to a wrestler. It could be anything. Gotcha. And the other thing is pertaining to one of the factions. Um, yeah, man, I wish I would have known about this one. I, I, these are some, these are some deep cuts here. Um, I don't know. What, what are your predictions? Let's see. Prediction for one wrestler. Well, well, I'll make one prediction right now. 
my prediction is concerning Kazushiko Okada. I think he doesn't touch the IWGP title for the rest of the calendar year. And I think we see him gain the IC title for the first time in his career in mm. this calendar year. Uh, mine's a pretty, I think it's a pretty easy prediction that's probably going to happen pretty soon. I think Shingo Takagi is going to win his first oh my God. singles title this year. <laughs> if, if we were doing the uh, the 2020 prediction uh, show that uh, uh, Brian Alvarez does with the bold predictions, that, that is not a bold <laughs> prediction, sir. <laughs> Uh, also, I'll stick to my uh, evils turning prediction as well. Is that your faction or is that your wrestler? Uh, I'll do that for the my wrestler. Evil evils turning heel this year on Lij. Uh, let's see for faction. For faction, I think Odeo Tai is gonna infiltrate New Japan Pro Wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> I actually don't know who Odeo Tai is. I just hear them all the time. It's like one of the top heels faction that uh, Kagetsu used to lead. Uh, uh, I don't. I don't want to say spoilers. There's been a big shakeup of Odeo Tai. I don't. Oh, I don't want to upset the Joshi fans that are because I know the full show is not up yet, and there was a big angle I'm towards. Out, the I'm end. out here spoiling without even knowing it. <laughs> I know. I don't want to, you know, in case James tunes in, I don't want him to. James ain't tuning in. I know. <laughs> <laughs> James will listen to every other freaking podcast under the sun, but uh, doesn't show much love to to, to his boys. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, I don't want to spoil, you know, the ending there of uh, the last Stardom Cork and Hall show for the uh, Joshi fans out there. I'm trying to think of a good faction um, prediction. Um. I'm going to say Bullet Club adds another member this year. I'm going to say that there will be a power struggle within Bullet Club between Jay White and Kenta some point in the the calendar year, or at least the seeds of a power struggle between the two of them, leading to Kenta taking the Japanese talent out of Bullet Club Mm. Namely, Taiji Ishimori and uh, Yujiro uh, Takahashi. Is it Yujiro? Yep, Yujiro. Yep. Tokyo Pimp. Is it Yujiro Takahashi? Yeah. Okay, I don't know. Sometimes I just get names confused. Is there any other Japanese talent there? Uh, Peter? <laughs> <laughs> it will be a f- fearsome foursome of Kenta, Yujiro, Taiji, and Peter, <laughs> they will split off. Kenta goon. They'll they'll split off. I don't know what they'll be called, but they're gonna. Kenta's gonna. Kenta's gonna uh, bamboozle Jay White. He's gonna be even more dastardly than Jay White can handle, and he's gonna split off and take some guys. I also think he might incorporate members Japanese. It'll be a f- completely strictly Japanese stable, and he'll he'll take some other guys from some other stable, some other Japanese guys. I don't know who. The, the, the mole and chaos mm. will finally turn. That's my prediction, although I don't think it's happening. <laughs> and he also had a bonus question. Who's the bigger geek, Goto or Ricochet? Ricochet. Ricochet for sure. So I'm watching, so I don't watch Raw, but I was watching Raw briefly, like just a little bit last night because my girl was like, oh, I want to watch Raw. We always watch this Japanese wrestling. <laughs> and I was like, all right, let's watch it. <laughs> and the whole time I'm like, Talking about how terrible the show is. I'm like, this doesn't make sense. This doesn't make sense. Do you understand why this doesn't? And she's like, 
it's a show for children. I'm like, then why is the entire fan base 50 up? Like, <laughs> I was like, it's not a show for children. It's a show for Vince McMahon. That's who this show is for. And then like Brock's out and she's like, she gets excited face. Cause she's like, Oh, Brock Lesnar's out. It's a big deal. Right. And I'm like, all right, well, let's just wait and see. And then Ricochet comes out and I'm like, my God, I know exactly what's going to happen. She's like, you don't know. And I was like, Ricochet is going to come out here and get his ass beat. For no reason. She's like, that's not true. They're trying to push him. They, they see big things from him. I'm like, no. Then why did he get his ass beat all those weeks by... Uh, AJ. No, it wasn't just AJ. Uh, what's um, the, the guy from Scotland? Oh, McIntyre. Yeah, Drew McIntyre like, has fucked him up a bunch of times. Like This guy be out here losing all the time. I'm like, I'm like no. He's little, and he's, and he's going to come out here and just get beat up by Brock. He gets in the ring, and Brock kicks him in the dick and then walks away. And I was like... All right, you tell me who's getting pushed in that <laughs> situation. It's a very interesting style push, I guess. <laughs> yeah, he got pushed with Brock's foot to his dick. <laughs> yeah, I definitely have to go Ricochet. Uh, th- yeah, his stock has definitely dropped since being on the main roster and just find himself in, you know, not the best situations, getting kicked in the dick, being beaten several times by AJ, McIntyre, other guys, so... Yeah, definitely Ricochet. Bro, Ricochet, can you imagine a, a year, if you would have told me three years ago that there'd be a time when Rich Latta was a bigger fan of Will, uh, Will Ospreay than, than Ricochet? Ricochet. <laughs> I would have said you were lying. Said you'd be smoking crack. But that's what WWE does to guys, man. Yeah. Then a uh, final question here from our boy Ricky from the Ricky and Clive Wrestling Show right here on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. He says, if you could have a dream match between anyone in NJPW and WWE slash AEW, what would that match be? I may or may not have asked a similar question in the past. I have so many dream matches between these two companies. So many. And I also consider, when I say dream matches, I'm considering the whole of the WWE quote-unquote universe so NXT, NXT UK. All N205 Live, all of it. But my number one above all other matches is Brock Lesnar versus Tomohiro Ishii. Oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> That's my match. That is my dream match. And this is this is not no WWE Ishii gives ass beat by Brock Lesnar, the whole no. This is a strong style. New Japan style strong match. Style. Strong style match. <laughs> yeah, bro. Um, two of the greatest sellers and two of the most fearsome individuals. Can you imagine like how great Brock would sell for Ishii after like he beats Ishii's ass for all this time and then Ishii starts chopping Brock in the throat? Yes. Oh my god. And just the, the, the elbow. The elbow. <laughs> Brock Brock be covering up. Yeah, and, yeah, and bumble it. Bumble it. <laughs> These are the two best bumblers in the his like in 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 wrestling today. Nobody bumbles as good as either of those two guys. Like that ma- that match would fucking rule. Uh, you got one? Yeah, I don't. It, I don't think it's happened. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I would like to see Walter versus Shingo Takagi. Have they wrestled before? Probably. I know they were both in that WWN system, so they might have wrestled before. I wouldn't be surprised if they did something for like WXW, like or like the sixteen gold carrot, maybe. Right, maybe. Uh, but I haven't seen it, so that's a match I want to see. I want to see Walter today versus Shingo today, right now. So that would be a, a big matchup I would like to see. It's happened. 
Um, let me take a look here. It happened. PWG Battle of Los Angeles 2018. Mm, that's right. That's right. That's right. Oh, yeah. That was pretty recently. Yeah. I forgot both of those guys were in Bola. It's got an 8.0 average rating on Cage Match. So I'll need to grab that DVD and watch that match. Um, see. I didn't think of something else. I've, uh, I've got, well, no, let's keep going. I, I like this. Let's yeah, keep going. While well, I think of my other one, you have right, another one? Well, I've got an easy one. I don't okay. know if it would be great. I really don't know if it'd be great because I think one of these guys really needs a story to sometimes to have a great match. But to me, in 1995, and it's, it's a similar situation because I don't know if it would have actually been a great match, but if you would have taken the two best big match performers in the world from America and from Japan, you would have ended up with Shawn Michaels and Mitsuhara Mizawa. That would have been a dream match. I don't know how good it would have been, but you've got two of the greatest talents of that time period in that year. So in that same vein in 2020, I would like to see, um, sorry, Will Ospreay versus Johnny Gargano. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, that would be a great matchup. Um, You got any other ones? Let's see. I would like to see Tyler Bate Mm. versus Hiromu Takahashi. Oh, well, you know, my dream match for a long time was uh, Hiromu and Pete Dunne. Yeah. That was one that I was saying on the show for a long time. So, yeah, I would, either of those two matches. Um, I've got another one. It, so, it used to be Shibata versus Cesaro. That, like, would have freaking ruled. Mm-hmm. I got to go Cesaro. Who can we put Cesaro up against in New Japan that would, like, just freaking, he would kill it with? Uh, I'd say Shingo Rishi. I'm gonna go Kota Ibushi. Oh, ho, ho, ho. Cesaro okay. versus Ibushi, dude. That match would be nuts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Jordan Devlin. Oh God. Versus Kazuchika Okada. That would be awesome. I'm. You know what? Um, if you could put Tanahashi up against anybody in WWE, who would who would it be? In the whole universe, right? Not just the main roster. I think I would almost want to go Cena. Yeah, I think you would have to do the Cena match. I almost think you would have to, like, if you were given, like, the ultimate dream book, you also might want to just go Roman Okada. Right. I don't know. Or you could do Orton Okada. (sighs) No. (laughs) (laughs) Just tell Orton not to do any rest holes in the match. I mean, who's the, like, top, top guy in WWE? Is it Roman, I guess? Kind of? Not really? Not the way he's been booked. <laughs> I got to tell you, there's nobody I want to see wrestle Seth Rollins. <laughs> but Josh, he's the best wrestler in the world. Oh, my God. Oh, man. I don't know. Um, How about uh, let's do – I got – okay, I'll do one last one. Um, I would like to see um, Matt Riddle. Bro. Versus – Oh man, who would be a good guy? Who would be good for Matt Riddle to wrestle in New Japan? I think I would go Riddle Ibushi. <sighs> Both those guys throwing knees. That's a good one. That's a, that's such a good one. I don't know. I already did it. I almost want to see him and Ishii. <laughs> yeah, I want to see Ishii wrestle everybody. But didn't didn't Ishii and Riddle wrestle? I don't know. I mean, we obviously we saw Will Ospreay and and Riddle wrestle. Arrive. Right. Yeah. That's freaking amazing. I feel like Riddle and Ishii wrestled on one of those. Uh no, I got it. Let's let's go Shingo and and Matt Riddle. Mm. Yeah, that'd yeah. be great. You got a last one? Anything 
Well, he also he, oh, he also said WWE slash AEW. So let me see if there's... Oh, he said AEW? He said WWE slash AEW. Bro, I, I was thinking it was just WWE. Let's see. Let me pick an AEW one. I got one. All right. Kenny Omega versus Kazushka Okada. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Easy. Man. Um... Let's see. I mean, obviously, a lot of their top guys are in New Japan, like Moxley and Jericho. So let's not mention Mox. Let's not mention Jericho because they're already there. Right. Let's see. Hmm. Let's see. Pack. Yeah, I mean, Pack was like Im- immediately yeah, who the, I was thinking of. The bastard Pack. Let's see. Who can we put Pack up against? Everybody. Yeah. Literally. Um. Let's go. Pack versus Ryuli. That would be awesome. I mean, I would like to go Pakabushi. Mm. Yep. Um, Dustin Rhodes <laughs> <laughs> against Minoru Suzuki. Oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Sammy Guevara versus Will Osprey. It's like, yeah, that'd be cool. It's like some kind of the same stuff, though. Oh, yeah. Nice little Rich Ladder Pro Wrestling match. If you want my honest opinion, there's not. There are there's some really good talent in AEW, but there's not a lot of like crossover guys that really, like okay, you know who I would want to see uh, is um more than Sammy Guevara, freaking um Darby Allen. Oh yes, Darby. I'd want to see Darby Allen wrestle one of the top juniors. Dude, Darby know. and Hiromu. No, no, no. Uh, Darby and Taiji Ishimori. Oh, yeah. Both those guys, like, it's lightning fast. Yep. It, yeah. Um, I mean, freaking A. There's so many. There's, like, so many matches. Um, I mean, Cody. Cody, yeah. There's, Cody's already wrestled. Right, he's already people. been, yeah. But I think, is there any other, like, top guy that would produce, like, dream, quote, unquote, Shima. Dream? I would love to see Shima wrestle some guys in, in New Japan just because it's never happened. You yeah. Know? I don't know. Shima Okada. But, I mean, Kenny's wrestled everybody. And like, right. Kenny's the main guy. And then beyond that, like, most of the elite guys, you know. So, for me, like, the, the, the interesting people that we've never seen would be, like, to me, Pac, Darby Allen. I don't know, Shima. I, I don't know who else is there that... Like that, I really want to see wrestle New Japan guys. Other than that, Nakazawa versus Toru Yano. <laughs> oh my God, Nakazawa versus Taguchi. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I think we, I, I I think we're done. <laughs> yeah. All right, so that wraps the questions up. Now we just got a few ni- news items. Several of them we've kind of already covered in questions. So first we got um, some announcements here. WrestleMania weekend. So. Josh Barnett's Bloodsport 3. We have the main event, the Death Rider, Job Moxley, will be taking on Josh Barnett in the match that was postponed due to Moxley's injury back in the fall of last year. Also announced for that show, we have Minoru Suzuki versus Dirty Daddy, Chris Dickinson. So that should be a lot of fun. Then we already mentioned the Ring of Honor Supercard announcements. We mentioned the New Japan Lions Break Project 3 being at WrestleCon. The Bullet Club will be bringing back their party. Last year, they had the block party in New York. They're doing the beach party this year on April 4th here in Tampa, WrestleMania weekend. Yeah, and they've announced um, Bandito's going to be part of it, and so is Flip, Flip Gordon. Gordon, yeah. A lot of, so all the Bullet Club guys, obviously. Then, yeah, some Ring of Honor guys as well. I also want to say this. Uh, right now, and I think we're both in the same camp, we have tickets to uh, 
takeover. NXT takeover. Not only do we have tickets, we've got really good tickets, like 100 section, like they're awesome. We got a good price on them. But now, and then like when they're like, you know, Jay White is coming to Ring of Honor Supercard. I was like, that's interesting. Uh, well, we'll see. And then they're like, ELP is coming. I was like, ah. Uh. And then like, Will Ospreay is coming. Ishimori is coming. Kenta, Kenta is coming. <laughs> Dragon Lee is coming. Jeff Cobb is coming. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> I know. And I'm like, I'm really like, I'm waiting for a card, but I'm very, very, very close to being like, all right, I'm selling <laughs> The take, yes, my takeover tickets and going, and going to driving the, to Lakeland, driving the the forty minutes to Lakeland. So I, my girlfriend is like a diehard WWE fan, like lifelong, and she doesn't really watch NXT. She's like peripherally aware of it. She's one of the casuals that we thought didn't exist. Yeah, she's a casual. Well, she's not really casual because she's diehard about the main roster. She knows right. all about that and and stuff. But um. You know, when I was like, hey, would it be okay if we sold these NXT tickets if, if push comes to shove? And she's like, she's like, yeah. She's like, I'm trying to see, uh, she's like, I'm trying to see Shingo. <laughs> she's like, I'm trying to see Shingo and Ishii. She's like, at this point, I know more about the the New Japan guys than I do about the, uh, the NXT guys, so I'm down. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, definitely some tough decisions there. Even that Thursday night, I mean, I have Bloodsport tickets, but WrestleCon Super Show is getting loaded up with some of their announcements as Bro, well. You, you bought premium tickets to that show. Just uh, fourth row. <sighs> Wasn't that? Why? You, why aren't you going GA with me, bro? Well, man, front of the show, Dan Coffin. He hit me up. He didn't want. He didn't want to do GA. He didn't want to do standing room only for this. Why? Wa- why is Dan keep paying premium prices for all these tickets? Because I can't afford to be paying premium <laughs> prices for all these tickets. <laughs> and then y'all jump in and be like, "All right, I'm down," and I'm like. God, <laughs> and then I feel like a loser. I don't want to go to these shows and be the one person that's got GA, and then I'm sitting by myself. And I, but but like I kind of need to because that's all I can afford. Y- y'all not think about me. <laughs> think about yourself. Oh man, uh, other WrestleMania <laughs> weekend announcements. Uh, why, well, didn't you, why didn't you address what I just said? You just minimized my feelings about it. God, I hate you all. All right, let's move on. <laughs> so, uh, Will Ospreay announced for Joey Janela Spring Break Four, and uh, Joey Janela saying it's going to be one of the you know best indie shows. So, obviously, getting Will Ospreay is a good start there. Um, New Japan World, there was a reported increase of about twenty thousand new subscribers, roughly about the same amount of last year from the Wrestle Kingdom bump. Uh, we talked about the Okada comments about um, doing his Super Show thing over the summer. Uh, when the Olympics are there, uh, we mentioned too that Carl Fredericks was on the official New Japan English podcast. Check it out; it's pretty good, actually. Then we had the Tamatonga Enzo feud continuing to heat up. We need we need a sound a sound bite to like Rich make us a sound bite for Tamatonga and Enzo so we could play it on the show every week. Just just like a three second clip, <laughs> like I don't know something. Uh, so we had five days ago. Uh, Tama tweeted out a video challenging Enzo Say, you know, you want a boxing match You want a shoot match, what do you want? Like, whatever we do, whatever promotion books it You notice he didn't say a worked match Right He said a shoot match Or a boxing boxing. (laughs) (laughs) You want to catch these hands Is what he's basically (laughs) saying (laughs) He said, whatever promotion books it All the money will go to charity Then Josh Barnett chimed in Because everybody was tagging him And Enzo and Tama He says if they want to get in my blood sport ring, then they can hit me up and we'll put something together. Then today, 
Enzo came out and s- claimed that GCW offered him $25,000 to appear at Bloodsport, but he turned it down, and he said, if we're really going to do it for charity, it won't be on anyone's platform. And also talk about being contacted by uh, the Ritz, which is running the Lions Break Project show, to be showing up there. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, and then GCW has come out and denied that them or Josh Barnett has offered Enzo any money to appear on Bloodsport. And, of course, Enzo was saying... They called him Clownzo. Yeah, they called him Clownzo. He, Enzo blocked them, said that they were lying. So, yeah, what do you think about this whole Tamatonga Enzo stuff? I think... Uh, I don't think Enzo wants to smoke. That's what I think. I, don't, I really don't have much more thought about it. Like, I know... I can tell you right now, Tamo would beat that ass. He's the son of fucking Haku. End of story. Yeah, Enzo also, yeah, calling out Haku. Well, he said he was, he's going to do Haku a favor. Haku would be Enzo's ass right now. <laughs> yeah. Enzo's right messing, now. messing with the wrong family here. Yo, you're going to get your eye. Like, if, if, if it went down to a real fight, in a real fight, like right now on the street, Tama would take Enzo's eye. And I'm not saying, like, shut it closed, bloody it up. I'm saying he would pull it out of his fucking head, like... Tamatonga would like murk this dude. Like, he does not want smoke with Tamatonga. This dude was in the freaking military. He was in war. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, right. Like he was an active duty member. Like, Enzo can't fight, bro. Like, what is happening? <laughs> like, Enzo would get murked. Yeah, and honestly, like it's all fun games with them kind of shooting on each other promos. But I do not want to see. These guys really, I don't want to see a shoot fight. Oh, I do. I don't want to see a boxing match. Oh, I, I, I want do. See, you want to see Tamo just tear this guy apart? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Nobody likes Enzo. Yeah, but honestly, I'm just like, whatever. Like, I definitely don't want to see it on Bloodsport. Um, I so. mean, the whole thing, Tamatonga said, you know, the, all the proceeds are going to go to charity because, you know, he's he's trying to get this dude not paid. And, and, <laughs> and, and, and his ass beat. <laughs> Oh, my God. Then uh, some final news items here. We have um, very well mentioned on this show, Barbaro Cavernario will be appearing on WrestleCon, and he's going to be facing Caveman Ugg on the WrestleCon Worldwide show. So something that people have been clamoring for, the two cavemen the match going at it. made last year. I don't know why no promoter didn't make that match last year. Right. So it's finally been willed into existence, Cavernario versus Caveman Ugg at WrestleCon Worldwide. Also, former NJPW talent Alex Shelley also announced for Joey Janela Spring Break 4. Also, former NJPW star Davey Boy Smith Jr. is signed for Bloodsport. And then a final note here, kind of a, a sad note here. So we did have the passing of Rocky Johnson um, last week, father of Dwayne The Rock Johnson. And uh, Chris Charlton tweeted this out. Rocky Johnson's presence was well felt in New Japan as it was in so many places. In his single one-month tour, he wrestled a who's who of the era uh, with singles matches against Inoki, uh, Kobayashi, Fujinami, and Choshu, while teaming with Bad News Allen and Stan, H- Stan Hansen as well. R.I.P. Yep. Thoughts and prayers go out to uh, the Johnson family. Yeah, and also, I definitely, if you are a wrestling observer, radio subscriber, I definitely recommend listening to the episode where Dave 
kind of gives a little history on Rocky Johnson and some highlights of his career. A lot of stuff I didn't know about, first time kind of hearing, and thought Dave did a real good job with that. I knew it all. Well, you're the uh, the encyclopedia, <laughs> man. I didn't know that. No, I, I, I didn't know that stuff. I thought it was a really good listen, actually. And um, that's going to take us to the final segment of the week. Yes, the recommended match of the week. And we are, you know, getting ready to jump into the New Beginning Tour. So I'm um, rewind the clock back to New Beginning in Sendai in 2015 for the IWGP Intercontinental Championship. The main event, Blue Justice, Yuji Nagata taking on the champion, the reign defending champion at the time, Shinsuke Nakamura. Now, I know that this was the same card that had the five-star Ishii and... Um, Shibata? No, Ishii and Hanma, uh, Hanma match. And I see... I, I was looking at the reviews for this match. A lot of people had it in the three-and-a-half range. Kind of had like, you know, it's, it was an all-right match. I don't know. I watched the match this weekend... I thought it ruled. I had it more in the four-star range. Yes. Um, you know, they had the VTR kind of showing, you know, usually the guy with his kids, kind of, you know, the good old family man, you know, he was kind of teasing retirement because he was in the pre-show rumble at, at Wrestle Kingdom that year and won it. And, you know, he was kind of sad, you know, he was on the pre-show, not on the main card, and then ended up, you know, challenging mm-hmm. Nakamura for the IC title. And I, I thought this match was great. These guys were, it was your strong style match. These guys were throwing forearms, knees, hitting each other very hard. You know, all of a sudden, the guy that's great at suplexes, so is Nakamura. So a lot of strikes, a lot of suplexes. And um, obviously, at the end of the day, um, Nagata did end up uh, eating a Bomaye and um, failing to win the IC title. I thought it was a great match. And that is my recommended match of the week. Yuji Nagata versus Shinsuke Nakamura for the new beginning in Sendai 2015. And yes, guys, I'm still um, have it on my list to work on the page of getting all of the recommended matches of the week uploaded in one place. It just kind of fell on the back burner between getting everything over to Red Circle and some other stuff, you know, uh, New Japan uh, year in ebook stuff. And I got to get my uh, my ballot in for the uh, the year end of the match of the year. For 2019 for Voice of Wrestling also. So I still have it on my list to get the recommended match of the week list all up in one place on socialsuplex.com. But thank you for, you know, watching our recommended matches a week and giving us feedback on those. So that's going to wrap things up for this week. Next week, we will be back with our review of the new beginning in Tampa. Also, our predictions for the new beginning in Sapporo. If you enjoyed today's show, please consider making a donation. Visit socialsuplex.com slash donate and click on that donate button under the Keeping It Strong Style logo. Yes. Make sure you connect with us on social media. On Twitter, the show is at KI Strong Style. You can also follow us at Social Suplex. You can follow me at Jeremy L. Donovan. On Facebook, we are facebook.com slash social suplex. You can also find us in the Wrestling Squared Circle Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash Wrestling Squared Circle. On Instagram, you can find us at social suplex. On Reddit, I am the pro black guy. Josh is keeping it strong style. You can email me, Jeremy, at social suplex.com. Make sure you check out all the other shows on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. 
We have One Nation Radio hosted by Rich Latta and James Boyd. We have the Ricky and Clive Wrestling Show from Scotland. We have our podcast dedicated to independent wrestling, Grown Men Watch This Shit, hosted by Jeremy Tate and Chris Bryan. We have Get In The Ring with Danny and Beast Mike. And we have All Things Elite with Floyd Johnson Jr., Amy O., and Tiffany. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating and review, especially you Apple podcasters. I I have the data. I see that majority of you guys listen on Apple Podcasts. Please leave us that rating and review. It helps us out a lot. And we will catch you next week on Keeping It Strong Style, the ace of podcasts. Jeremy calling out all you Apple listeners. (laughs) Thank you for listening to Keeping It Strong Style. We'll see you next time.